I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the only podcast equipped with a dingo alarm. I'm your host, the Canadian shoes wearer, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. Hi, it's Andrew Gilbert, and your baby is dead. Oh no, and who do we have on the line? Hey, it's Cap Bailey, glad to be back. And this week's episode is Bye Bye Nerdy. <laughs> This week's episode aired on March 11th, 2001, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Melanie C. leaves the Spice Girls, effectively ending that group. Robert De Niro and Kelsey Grammer rock the box office with 15 minutes, and Morton Downey Jr. dies. Quite mm. a day in, uh, in March of twenty of 2001. We should mention Melanie C. is Sporty Spice. That is my chosen spice. I believe I said uh, it previously yes. on this podcast. Yeah. Although I'm not into the sports thing. <laughs> I, I'm sure we'd have other things in common, though, if was, it came to that. Uh, I stopped paying attention to Spice Girls after Ginger left. That was when I was like, ah, no more. If Ginger's gone. Yeah, so they soldiered on without Ginger for a little bit. But then once, once Sporty was gone, then they're like, fine. No more Spice Girls for a while until the reunion tour. The magical year of 19. 1997 when we were all watching Spice World and singing <laughs> along to If You Want to Be My Lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good times. And, and then uh, that Robert De Niro movie with Kelsey Grammer about 15 minutes of like Kelsey Grammer's like a TV reporter and De Niro is a hard cop who's just like, come on, tell me. Tell me how to find this guy. What's the name of it again? 15 minutes. Oh dear lord. 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, what does that imply? Is there a bomb going to explode or something? Uh, well, it's uh, sort of, but it's also about your 15 minutes of fame because okay. the killer thereafter is like getting famous on Kelsey Grammer's show mm-hmm. and because he's like a uh, you know a tabloid journalist uh, that's the type of deal. I, now it's crazy to think that Kelsey Grammer would ever be in a major motion picture released in theaters you know. What, and what was the third news item? I was just thinking about Sporty Spice. I'm Morton sorry. Downey Jr. Right. died. Uh, famously he is the namesake of uh, Morton Koopa Jr. Yep. who I think is now just Morton Koopa or has been for a long time. Uh, you know, they they severed the junior. Uh, that's, a, that's wrong. I and, don't like that. Uh, Morton Downey Jr., I believe he recanted on his deathbed because he was a big, like, pro-smoking guy just to be very aggressive and in your face. Yes, yeah. M- Morton Downey Jr., for a couple years, was like the Rush or uh, Sean Hannity of his time. A Jerry Springer type, more, too. Yeah, actually, more Jerry Springer because he was a talk show host, not a newsreader type dude. But, I mean, everybody talks about how, like, he worsened the world of television and made it uh, much, like, filthier and dirtier place. And he... And on his show he was like i smoke all the time and they tell me i'm healthier than ever i you can't make me stop smoking and then uh you know by 1997 he finds out like actually you have like very bad lung cancer and uh yes that is when he went the other side like he said he had to like he talked about how like oh i feel so bad about it i had guys who used to come up to me and they'd tell me like hey sign my cigarette pack i'm gonna (laughs) smoke just like you i'm not gonna listen to the libs who tell me not to smoke and uh, he said he regretted that but it's like easy to regret it then people were telling him he was an asshole before and he wasn't listening but but <laughs> but yes he passed away uh march 2001 uh before before even seeing the real fallout of his legacy in the post 9 11 mm. uh, news demagoguery years there's a documentary about him i heard 
heard it's good. It's called Evocateur. It's very good. I've watched it. It's very, very good. Yeah. He. I mean, also, he lost his show because, like, he lied and said that a bunch of uh, Ku Klux Klan guys beat him up in an airport. Like, right. He, he was at the, I believe it was our San Francisco airport. He comes out of the bathroom and he, like, his t- clothes are torn up and he has a swastika on his face that he says they painted on him. But the swastika was backwards because oh. he had done it in the mirror. And uh, just like the lady who said Barack Obama's goons uh, beat her up and the B on her cheek was like carved in with a knife backwards. Yes. Yep. The same, same kind of deal that when will these, these folks learn? Yeah. But, but anyway, yes, that's what was happening back in March of 2001. Uh, joining us today is our old friend Cat Bailey, Ooh. now of IGN. You last joined us for Lisa the Tree Hugger back in March of uh, the year 2020. Wow. Wow. Was it that long ago? I but believe anyway. so, yeah. Hello. I am really glad to be back on Talking Simpsons, ready to talk about the mythical season 12. I, I hear it's one of the best seasons. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. We, we're enjoying it. This, this oh, is, great. This is actually a standout <laughs> of season 12. We oh, just, yeah. We just, oh, yeah. Re- we just recorded one that's three episodes down the line from this one. So, listeners, you're, it is all out of order. But that one yeah. is a dog. That sucks. I, I apologize, mm-hmm. uh, Kat. You were here in March of 2021. Uh, to me, 2020 and 2021 don't exist. Mm-hmm. Those they years all didn't melt happen. together. Yeah. Like I blinked and it's suddenly September. I mean, this is when we're recording it. So what is time? Exactly. At this point? And Kat, also you are the you know co-host of the Acts of the Blood God podcast, Patreon supported as well. You're you got a lot of uh, stews going. Yeah, no, I I'm basically doing two full-time jobs, which is a great idea on my part. But <laughs> Acts of the Blood God has been a lot of fun. We've had a really good year, honestly, and it's been a lot of fun to be on Patreon. In, in a weird way it was kind of nice to be able to take the podcast and make it into our own and yeah we have a really lively community and a lot of talking simpsons listeners have kind of crossed over crossing the streams so I it s- feels like our two podcasts are of a piece i see them talking about us in your discord cat yeah. but it's all nice things yes. <laughs> spying on us uh, and and cat we've talked a ton about your history with the simpsons of course but mm. did you watch this one when it was new in 2001 2001 no i think that i was definitely watching the episodes still when they were in syndication but this one was not in the syndicated run i think they were only going up to season 11 so mm. i miss this one this was a brand new experience wow. watching this episode Man, unclouded it... unjaded eyes <laughs> and of course all of us were very popular in high school yes no no issues with bullying that this episode would bring back oh, to no. us i never yeah. ate alone in a bathroom for most of a year yeah. that never happened never that was some happened. other guy yeah <laughs> similar haircut uh, very handsome i never like dreaded gym class because of one specific kid who bullied me for holding my nose when I dived in the pool. Like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> who, who would bring up such a specific thing? Not me. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think uh, obviously we were all little nerdy kids like the writers of this show, so an episode about bullying uh, yeah. was, was going to touch you in some Th- way. This is TV bullying, though. It's oh. not as uh, dark mm-hmm. as actual bullying. <laughs> Uh, it would be- okay, so were the writers writing about bullying circa the 60s? Because whenever I watch shows like this, they're like, we're giving you a wedgie or Indian burns or things like that. And I, I don't know, like maybe my perspective was different, but I did not see a lot of that when I was in school. It was mostly kids just being either really mean and awful or physically assaulting kids and not just... Not going to the halfway mark, just cornering, cornering kids and attacking them. The bullies in this are far more creative than 
the bullies of our mm-hmm. childhood yeah. were. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I do think when I first saw this, I didn't like it as much. This wasn't one of like my least favorite episodes uh, when I saw it new in 2001. But I did think it was like maybe too wacky, but also that I was kind of tired of like, oh, bullying is actually caused by this kind of things. Because I, uh, when this aired, I was nearly done with high school and I was just like, I'm tired of hearing about bullying. Mm. I don't want to hear the, like the secret funny reason that bullying <laughs> happens. I mean, controversial take for me. You see somebody like Ben Shapiro and you think sometimes bullying is necessary. We need to shut some of these kids down. <laughs> sure. And in, in, in some cases, yeah. but you never, but you know, some people might grow up to be cool and not be a Ben Shapiro, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you can't. I survived <laughs> to become a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm curious to know who the writer is on this episode, because my first thought is it's written by a bunch of Harvard dorks because the nerds, of course, would be thinking, but why do the bullies do it? It's definitely written from that kind of perspective of trying to figure out the mindset of a bully. And so then you come up with the comedic reason of, well, obviously we're secreting some kind of poindextrose (laughs) to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the writer is another of the Harvard uh, nerds. It's, it's, it's a Frank and Payne on this one? It's a Frank and Payne yeah. one, which one is the name of Professor right. Frank, and the other wrote Marvel movies, so that's how you know. And before it was cool, he wrote one of them, who's, who's also no longer with us. Uh, that's Don Payne, who's on the commentary, which makes the commentary a little like more wistful, uh, knowing how he's no longer with us. But I, I mean, uh, too, Cat, I was curious to how similar this was, that this is about a specific thing about bullying within the girls at school because you know that it seems to make a point that boy bullying and girl bullying is different though it seems like it's just that the boys won't touch the girl but Mm. that the girls just do just beat the shit out of other girls in in the bullying in this show well i think it was clearly written by a guy because (laughs) Mm -hmm. the way she she is bullying lisa feels like they just took a, a guy bully and transposed them onto this onto this character played by Kathy Griffin. My experience was that girls were just really, really mean. They would, you know, gossip behind your back. They would say really absolutely incredibly vicious things and completely cut you down. There would be a lost a lot of ostracizing you and you would be made to feel completely awful and horrible at all times. And so it wasn't as overtly physical, though, of course, there were girls Mm -hmm. out there who were very big and very mean and were going to, like, actually attack you. I did know one of them. Thankfully, I never crossed her path. Mm -hmm. But stereotypically, it's more of a mean girl thing, I think, with girl bullies. Like Like I was saying earlier, I think most bullying is kind of just too dark to have fun with on TV because in in my case and in a lot of cases i think it's just a long campaign of psychological torment which is not fun to watch yeah experience and that's like that's not a gender divided thing yeah Mm -hmm. bullies both boys and girls will go out of their way to destroy like they will pick a target and they'll just go after you forever like psychologically it's it's bad i hate it the shows or movies i've seen that show bullying like accurately i don't want to watch or i watch them once and i'm like i don't ever want to watch this again because it uh, reminds me of feeling bad and I don't uh, I'm like I, I don't need to see that again like I I watched that dumb movie Drillbit Taylor once oh. uh, <laughs> I didn't even I it was when I worked at a video store so somebody else put it on it wasn't my choice but and then when I watched it, I was like oh this actually is pretty accurate to how awful a bully is and how they get away with everything that's sad I don't like this you know I've checked up on my bullies they're not on Facebook they're not on LinkedIn I'm hoping dead yeah you can only they gotta hope. be in a river yeah. somewhere yeah <laughs> but- show me the bone 
Kings <laughs> is what I say. Uh, Wait for their names at the end of this podcast. Though I guess, you know, if we were to write stories like this now about our bullying, I uh, maybe the kids of today would be like, well, that's not accurate. Where's the like terrorism on an internet page? Yeah. You know? like, now where's, it's, where's leaking of yeah. my nudes on a Facebook page? Yeah. Now know? it's all like revenge porn and yeah. uh, much, much darker things. I'm uh, so grateful. I'm not, uh, I wasn't on social media when I was in high school because there would have been people who just would have been tormenting me on all of the Instagrams and all of the Twitters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, my bullies weren't in the IGN forums where I was talking about, <laughs> uh, you know, what what would the next Square Soft game be? That's where you were a bully, Henry. Yes, I. Hey, I. You know, it's the it's abuse is passed down. It's handed from person to person. Yes, yeah. Hey, I think I was nice. Those people were wrong. I was telling them that that FF Seven's better. Or sorry, FF Six is better than FF Seven. Well, you're correct. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the director of this episode, though, Lauren McMullen. So yeah, Kat said you know, a woman didn't write this, but a woman did direct this. Definitely a woman did direct it. Yep. And we interviewed Lauren uh, last year, so that's on the Talking Simpsons feed, I believe. Yeah, in the free the, feed. Yeah, on the free feed as well as on the Patreon. Yeah. Yes, we. Uh, it was mainly about the miniseries we had done that year, and the that miniseries. I wish I could disconnect it from the start of COVID. Yep, uh, that yep. is when we started <laughs> posting it. Yeah. But yeah, Talking Mission Hill. We went over Mission Hill. Lauren was a huge part of the development of the series, the really visuals. Really, the third co-creator yes. of it. Yeah. And uh, so Mission Hill, it uh, aired two episodes. They burned off the rest in the summer, and. Lauren goes over to The Simpsons. So this is her first of seven episodes she direct for the show before moving on to Avatar The Last Airbender to work with some of her old Mission Hill pals on that one, some yeah. of the directors from that wow. show. Yeah, I think uh, many of the Mission Hill people went on to uh, other sitcoms, and I know that the um, the two creators of Avatar The Last Airbender said they really wanted to sell that show to make an action show based on like the anime they enjoyed because they were getting very bored doing uh sitcom uh you know primetime sitcoms and uh, then once they sold Avatar, of course, they were going to have their old, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, Lauren's great. Like, let's have her, even though action is not what she did. All her previous work would not make you think that she would be great as an action director. But it turns out that just Lauren McMullen is a genius and an amazing yeah. just animator in general. And she was on The Critic as well. She's been uh, floating around since the 90s, mm-hmm. but uh, she came to The Simpsons for the first time in 2001. This is her first episode. She stayed for seven episodes again, leave for Avatar, and then would later go on to work at Pixar for a movie that never came out. Yes. So the movie Newt is something that she worked on um, for years. Yeah, she, it just never came out. She was working on it when she did that commentary for this episode. And, yeah. yeah, actually, Newt was going to be the movie they released uh, the same in the same window as Brave. So Brave replaced Newt as that yeah. movie. So Brave knocked Newt out of the uh, out of the out of the schedule. Yeah, boy, you know, in both those cases, a female director didn't last mm, long at Pixar on those. Put ones. the pieces together. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, it was, and that means she lived in our neck of the woods for time yeah. which i like yeah she's actually it's funny you mentioned uh the harvard thing cat because laura mcmullen was president of the harvard lampoon she followed conan o'brien after that which you wouldn't uh, the way she acts is not uh like talking with her she was so like mild-mannered or just you know chill you wouldn't think she's the type of person who when i think of the president of the harvard lampoon i think of an overachieving like comedy nerd mm-hmm. but she is just again i think she has like a real quiet brilliance to her that makes her underestimated as a creator and on top of that like as a woman in the field i think probably she got overlooked a bit unfortunately too but and yeah. she sent us stickers 
Mission Hill stickers. She sent us some damn stickers. She was so nice. I think a lot of women who came of age in that era and really succeeded in a very male-dominated kind of area like the Harvard Lampoon would probably be ferociously in- intelligent, but, you know, aren't going to be overbearing about it, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be kind of in the background, but they're they're out there, you know. They're amazing. If so. she showed too much pride, she probably would have been voted, would not have been voted <laughs> mm-hmm. to. She'd be like, oh, this yeah. bitch is too full of herself, they'd have said. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in 2013, she was the director of the Oscar-nominated uh, Mickey Mouse short Get a Horse, mm-hmm. which is uh, amazing. It's six minutes long. Seek it out. Watch it. She's she a genius. Should, she should have won it. Yeah. She should be an Oscar winner. Yeah. And they were incredibly lucky to get her this time on Simpsons. I absolutely... She didn't say this, but my feeling is that she put a lot more investment into this than a lot of the other directors were at the time. And I think it's... I'm not saying the directors were being lazy, but I do think the directors knew we got to pump this out. The producers mm-hmm. kind of... the writer producers don't give us as much space to be expressive so let's just stay a color in the lines you know and when McMullen shows up who she was just the supervising director of a full series I think she was not she wasn't going to let that feeling take her over she's just like no I hey this is a funny drawing it breaks the rules I don't care like let's draw a cool drawing here I think it helped that Matt Groening was very busy with Futurama because there's a lot of very fun drawings like the one that I have in my uh, my Google Meet background yeah. that are not on model but they're just fun to look at and very expressive i i think she didn't care as much about the rules as like i think there were a lot more rule followers who did the safe thing in this era of simpsons and and didn't like make his creative drawings which you know i've said it before but another reason people feel about the downturn of the series uh, starting from season nine is that you know brad bird left the show david silverman left the show the animation uh, got more you know rote or just a a coloring in the lines mcmullen brings back some of that like more creativity and looseness to it and i hearing her talk on the commentary she's like well that seemed like a cool thing to draw so i drew it or i was really invested in this character so i extra put extra work in designing him like uh, scully jokes he says like you're putting more thought into this than we did but it's true like it's actually true mm-hmm. and i think she you can tell too it looks like a vintage episode in a lot of ways especially at the beginning i was taken aback by just how much this stood out compared to other simpsons episodes of the era and and i also saw her most like recent credit she had directed co-directed the uh the lesbian mermaid episode of disenchantment oh, the that, one yeah. everybody remembers from disenchantment that's right so, yeah, and <laughs> uh, in, in hearing her talk about Newt when we interviewed her, like I, I felt bad asking after because she had said like it was like watching a, a building fall apart in slow motion or whatever. It's just like a tragedy of a film that didn't get finished. But yeah, she's great and so nice to us. Like I, I'd, I'd love to talk with her again because we only scratched the surface of her career. And like she directed those great King of the Hills too. Like yeah, some of the best looking King of the Hills. She was on that show for a little period of time yeah, before yeah. this. I hope that someday that dream of the Gus and Wally show comes to be and that Uh, she is the supervising director on that too. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah this episode also has a big guest star in it kathy griffin <laughs> who uh, barely says anything yeah, they, no. they they comment on that they say like wow why do we have her talk so little when it's kathy griffin who's known for talking a lot like why why did why did this character have to be kathy griffin uh though selman has a funny joke of saying like oh yeah kathy griffin but like she is a bully to the nerds around her in real life so that's why they thought she was good casting for it and uh, at it's the- almost a uh, it's almost an ironic casting choice because as you were already saying she is really verbose like she can't stop talking 
often to her detriment. Mm. And she, in this one, she just basically grunts and occasionally yells at Lisa, but that's about it. Like, it's very kind of a monosyllabic character. Uh, at the time she had done this, she was just off of Suddenly Susan, the Brooke Shields show, where uh, she played the role of Vicky, which caused a lot of confusion because at the same time Suddenly Susan was on, there was the show News Radio with the redheaded actress Vicky Lewis, who played a character named Beth. Yeah, I, I confuse them a lot at the time, even though they're very different looking actors. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's the redhead sidekick yeah. character, basically. And Vicky uh, Lewis yeah. on Mission Hill. Yes, yeah. Even, that's even funnier. Wow, I didn't even... One uh, of those shows was much better than the other. News, yeah, everybody... Rem if people remember anything, they remember news radio. They do not remember Suddenly We're Susan. not remembering our favorite Suddenly Susans. <laughs> I'd, I'd remember Veronica's Closet first before Me I too. remember that. Dan yeah. Cortez lit up the screen. That's right. <laughs> this was during her like transition year when this came out for her uh, because she had stopped being on sitcom. She also the she played Alice on Dilbert a year before this, but that right. show ended. Jeez. Uh, and so then she would pretty much just go back to being a full time comedian, you know, randomly appearing and stuff. And then soon after this would become the star of her reality show, My Life on the D List. Which, you know, really did make her even more famous because she was just like, yeah, she hangs out with people who are more serious, uh, more famous than her. And she has, you know, a real Joan Rivers quality to her of the time. And and then, of course, she became, you know, the co-host with Anderson Cooper of the of the New Year's shows where she would constantly right. make jokes at him that were obviously like, I know you're gay, but you're not out. Ha ha ha. Those kind of jokes. She, uh, hey, I can say it. She has a bit of fag hag energy to her back in those days. Henry just his gay card it's safe did. yes yeah but um and lastly about her i mean well at the time of this recording she's going through a right. difficult bout with lung cancer she uh, is currently recovering from some big surgeries she seemed to be in good spirits when we last saw it we wish her nothing but good health we don't have a jokey jingle for this anymore yes we, we got rid of it say, oh, we, that's okay that's yeah, good <laughs> yes yeah the, we're done we, we've had enough times where a tragedy happens uh, after we record that we're like no jokey jingles I, I say bring it back at least temporarily for the guy mentioned in the blackboard opening the you guy know, referenced but i don't wish him to not die i hope i hope yeah i know what you mean Bob. no no yes. i want the death jingle played i want oh, to curse him if only yes and yeah i wish i had the right but yeah i i wanted to joke about kathy griffin because there's that funny thing about that like blogger that like lived in her house and right. wouldn't go away like you just started to be a squatter which that was a pretty funny story it was uh what yashra lee was the uh, guy's name yeah, i think I so think. and then the guy just vanished from twitter because it was just too embarrassing that he was like he was one of those viral twitter guys and then when people found out that he was this weird squatter in kathy griffin's house that she had to like call the cops on so that was pretty funny but and and of course kathy griffin got canceled for no good reason for you know uh, the harmless picture of her with like a dummy's head that looked like trump like that uh, was bloody who fucking cares yeah man? That was dumb. yeah but anyway yeah i i wish kathy griffin nothing but good health you know she's i'm, I'm glad uh, that it seems like her most recent surgery went well so Okay. Good. Good luck to you, Kathy Griffin. The Simpsons will be right back. Next Sunday, Homer goes on a baby safety crusade. I'll draw bunny faces to scare Maggie away. She's not afraid of bunnies. She will be. Will he be safe or sorry? Daddy's protecting you from all the sharp sticks. Here, hold this a sec. Ow! 
and all-new Simpsons next Sunday. Welcome to the break, everybody, for this very baby-proofed episode of Talking Simpsons. And a big thank you to our guest this week, Kat Bailey. Always fun to have her on. Check out her Patreon-funded podcast, Acts of the Blood God, if you're a fan of role-playing games. And be sure to follow her on Twitter. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you should know Talking Simpsons is brought to you by many great subscribers at patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. Those subscribers help me and Bob do this as our full-time real jobs. And for five bucks a month at patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons, you get access to so many things. You get to hear a giant back catalog of exclusive podcast miniseries of us covering shows like Mission Hill, The Critic, King of the Hill, and Futurama. Only if you're a Patreon subscriber and coming very soon, our 10-week-long podcast miniseries blabbing about Batman the Animated Series where we're covering our top 10 episodes of Batman the Animated Series super in-depth just like we do with The Simpsons so please check it all out and so so much more at patreon.com slash talking simpsons But if you want something even nicer than a repress it all prescription, you should sign up at that premium level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons for 10 bucks a month. You get all the $5 things I just mentioned. And then you get our monthly super premium. What a cartoon movie podcast. Me and Bob have a sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where we cover an animated series twice a month in super detail and historical accuracy. And then at the end of each month, we cover a animated feature film in super depth research, often over four hours, sometimes even over five hours long. Our most recent one this month is going to be Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, a film that is great and also has an interesting release history. And we have a giant back catalog covering so many things, Disney films like The Lion King, classics of anime like kiki's delivery service recent stuff like spider-man into the spider-verse shrek even and tons tons more check it all out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons Uh, but yes, Bob, you did mention the sign gag here, the chalkboard gag. Yeah, uh, President Dick, sorry, Vice President Dick Cheney, God forbid, uh, <laughs> he had his fourth of five heart attacks in November of 2000. Wow. We were recording this uh, a little bit after 9-11, and I'm sick of seeing these fuckers alive. Yeah, Dick Cheney especially, man. I'm he saying was- slow, painful, natural causes. This is not me saying anyone go out there and do anything. No. I want heart attack number six. It's, it's destroy a, this man. It's a wish you're putting out into the yeah. world. You're not well, you're not saying harm against anyone. No, is it no, a low no. road? Yes. Yeah, but sure. it's one I I walk every day. Dick, I I'm so yeah that that chalkboard gag made me furious all over again because yeah I remember when it was 2008 and they're leaving. Uh, sorry january 2009 they're leaving office and he's in a wheelchair you know at the obama's inauguration and i was thinking all right he didn't die during an office which that's too bad but he's on his last legs he's gotta be he's in a wheelchair and that asshole is dick cheney is still alive still so we won't feel bad if anything uh if if, uh, if again the sixth one comes yes, for yeah, him yeah. before like this post Kissinger. The guy just keeps going. How does he do it? Unbelievable. Norm MacDonald's dead. Yeah. How was the world fair? Bob Dole outlived him. Yes. Can you believe that? 
Like, and uh, the Twitter account very I mean, he didn't write it of course but it said Bob Dole is very sad or whatever yes, so. yeah yeah eh, boo but anyway. yeah 20, <laughs> 20 years later yeah that's uh, that's what the chalkboard gag is all about they're finally it's their first uh, real W administration joke they do of a very few ones they would do then we come into the episode proper with a very funny parody of a serial commercial for stabios for itchy and scratchy look who's making breakfast I think it's grosser than if he was hacked to pieces that when scratchy is cut open to feed the kids <laughs> it's like a it's a surgical cut or like a, yeah. uh, a mortician's Ugh. cut so yeah. cold yes yeah <laughs> Uh, Y'all have any strong Lucky Charms uh, takes? I'm curious. Uh, mm, I, mean, I, I, I hate those squeaky marshmallows. <laughs> they mess me up. Uh, yeah, it is, it's like a, a little foot when you uh, bite into them. Yeah. They, they were never, uh, when they get soggier, they're a better marshmallow. And of course, we got to live through in our childhoods when they decided, well, we have to frost the cereal bits in these two. They can't <laughs> just be cereal bits anymore. You Lucky know? Charms was the most coveted cereal when I was in... In, in school and we were actually being able to give it them no really oh you mean like the little boxes yeah, the, the, those marshmallows people the kids love the marshmallows they weren't my favorite growing up as a kid i'd i wouldn't say no to a bowl no sir <laughs> but if it was my pick i'd have gone with like cocoa puffs or cinnamon toast crunch or apple jacks it was my brother's favorite though and he would do a thing that honestly my mom should not have let him do which was he just picked out the marshmallows and ate a bowl of marshmallows several times and my mom was just like i'll just Ugh. eat the cereal that's so. like okay just all the marshmallows <laughs> It's, no, that's too much. That's like five percent of the bag. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, I, I think part of the fun for my brother was the system of picking out the marshmallows mm. himself and then eating them. I, I had to buy a box of Crunchberries recently for this uh, video thing that oh, I did yeah. back in May, and I was like, uh, you know what? I don't like these that much anymore, but I'll chip away at this box over the next couple of weeks. I still have it. I have not touched <laughs> it since then. I need to throw it out. Uh, you're you have you have an adult's teeth and mouth now. Yes. You can't. It'll tear it apart. It's not made for for those. Uh, for that fiberglass anymore stabios are a good parody of the lucky charms with uh, yeah. even just naming the different pieces that are in it and they're part of a nutritious breakfast which includes a, a blade uh, sorry a plate of broccoli i love that not a I, blade of broccoli until until doing the super close watch of it i my eyes were always drawn to scratchy's head going gray that i never noticed that his complete breakfast has a plate of broccoli that that's how it's officially a complete breakfast i, I don't know if they still do this but that was the uh uh, the thing they would show you in cereal commercials where it's like well this has no nutritional value so you must eat toast and eggs and ham and a stack of pancakes and a, and a glass of orange juice and a glass of milk and uh, maybe a muffin or two I, they, they, are, they were acting as if kids were going to cut down an entire forest a big after leaving yeah yeah you know I uh, still watch Cartoon Network every now and then for like uh, that Craig of the Creek series, for instance, which I really like. Uh, and so when I put on the app for it, I occasionally do see like a Frosted Flakes or Fruity Pebbles commercial. They don't do it as obvious as in our childhood of saying like part of this complete breakfast. But they do show when the kid is sitting at the table with his, uh, you know, giant bowl of sugar that is Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> he is surrounded by the things of uh, that uh, represent see. that. So it's still the visual is there. i thought the lie that the breakfast industry made up has now been debunked that yeah. you don't you don't need 2800 calories to start your day <laughs> we 
I think now you just accept it. Like, look, if I'm buying my kid this sugar cereal, I know what I'm doing. We yeah. all know what we're doing. Let's either either do it or don't. But then let's not lie to ourselves. I think the last time I had, yeah, an actual like, I did try one of those magic spoon. I I I feel like I'm doing an ad and we're not. But the magic spoon ones, their whole promise is like, oh, but it's low carb, but it tastes like Fruit Loops or whatever. And I had one bowl of it. I was like, yeah, it's fine. But I also I do feel like I've grown out of eating cereal now, which is crazy because I used to be a cereal fiend in my 20s and early 30s but really i'm not i'm not a cereal guy anymore i'm here for the cereal discourse <laughs> you turn this into a cereal discourse with people that, uh... need to know my thoughts about crispix they're good oh i love crispix yeah i got i got a bo- box up there if i ever am in a cereal <laughs> mood i'm like all right let's get the crispix by the out. way it's 5 49 p.m we have not eaten dinner so you know, that's why we're talking oh, about cereal that explains it you know, listeners, I think you can tell when we have long talks about food, that's when it's uh, we've skipped a meal the, the, and we were doing a podcast. It, it was shocking to me that Itchy and Scratchy killed the mom because rarely is violence ever done to someone who is not one of them. That's true. Yeah. A severed head with blood around it. That is, I, I mean, I guess it is meant to make you uncomfortable with how gross it is. Yeah. That's why most Lisa of me is still in bed. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kids, look who's making breakfast. Most of me is still in bed. That ad campaign may have crossed a line. Uh, what can you do? Sex sells. <gasps> Homer, you're still here? You should have left for work an hour ago. They said if I come in late again, I'm fired. I can't take that chance. And kids, you're going to miss the school bus. <gasps> it's only two blocks away. I have a question for you. If, mm. if, on the Itchy and Scratchy violence scale, what is the most violent Itchy and Scratchy cartoon there is? And where does mm. that fall on this continuum? Because I think this one is quite violent. Having it's Eating high. out of the, the corpse it's and very then high. having the severed bloody head. Ooh, that's, uh, that's Phil, intense. Yeah. Cutting open a corpse that is full of soggy cereal and eating it is uh, very disgusting. It's up there. It could be up there with him getting his fur torn off by the um, escalator. When I think of the grossest one, it is scratchy having his fur ripped off and seeing the muscle and sinew on his bloody body and like the zoom in on his skinless body is... and he's leaving a trail of blood behind him yes that's that's and uh, on top of that he has his uh, i mean who isn't afraid of escalator <laughs> things as a little kid of like escalator is gonna eat me so i i think that is the grossest one i do think him in the blender is pretty bad too mm-hmm. but uh yeah i think but this is right up there with it like like, which McMullen really loves doing itchy and scratchy. She's very funny with those too. Yes, as Lisa sees it, she says that ad campaign may have crossed the line. Homer says, eh, what can you do? Sex sells. And then Bart and Lisa look at Homer like he's insane, <laughs> which I really just love that they just give a beat of like, 
you're what the fuck did you say like yeah <laughs> well he's clearly uh, on his way to getting drunk this morning uh i mean homer is fired from his job in this episode he's yeah. never had his job after this that's like, why he invents a new one yes yeah this bit of marge racing to get this kids to school this feels like it could have been a season two kind of joke like, absolutely yeah. especially with the soundtrack oh my god that is such an early season two kind of thing yeah, to use the saber dance from Aram Kichitaturian's Ballet Gayane. Uh, I knew that off the top of my head. I'm not just <laughs> You weren't reading that. it off a screen. But that song, the saber dance, is like used in 8 million things for this very kind of thing. Like, I'm surprised it's uh, not powerhouse, you know. It's like it's either saber dance or powerhouse for this, but... Yeah, just the the bit of them just like uh, there's so many funny drawings. Marge brushing their teeth together, like that's so good. Walking the, backwards on the stairs, taking uh, off their clothes and putting on new clothes. I was mad that Bart didn't stay. That their clothes didn't say switched at least for the next yeah. scene. Yeah, that bugged me. But uh, I also <laughs> liked Marge rubbing Lisa's throat, like swallow, swallow, swallow. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, oh yeah, Homer's line of like they said if I come in late again, I'm fired. I can't take that chance. That's a great line. Uh, but yes, the the whole sequence is amazing. The drawing of Homer jumping into the air to eat the thing Bart spits out is really great. I love that drawing. I mean, there's so many times where it just feels like McMullen thought this should be a funny drawing. Let's draw fun something fun. Yeah, instead of just what's the most on model way that it would look like for Homer to jump in the air. Now, could know? Homer jump that far in the air? <laughs> I don't think so. Very high energy sequence and not in an annoying way. I think that a lot of Simpsons of this particular era loves to have a cold open that's as, as wacky as possible. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Oh, one. yeah. You guys no. This is yeah. following this. But this one feels very on brand for the Simpsons in a very fun way. And I think, as you already saying, the uh, just the really inventive drawings and how fast everything is moving. It just really gets you into the flow of the episode immediately. I think especially in the first half. So I was watching this with uh, some friends of mine, plus the rest of the people in my household. And there's quite a few chuckles uh, mm -hmm. early on, like organic chuckles. Uh, you know, that's that's on the right track when it's doing that. I only buy my chuckles organically. <laughs> I, uh, I think, too, what helps this bit is that, like, unlike, say, nine whole minutes where they shop around for tombstones. Or visit then, a carnival. Or visit a carnival and then decide, here's when the story starts. In this case, it's just three or four minutes of it instead of uh, wasting a whole bunch of time. They actually get onto the plot of the episode pretty quickly after yeah. this. Even getting to school is related to the plot. It's not like they go to, like, a milkshake convention or whatever <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, time for school. Yeah, it goes from... The itchy scratchy cartoon to getting ready to the bus chase to the house inspector like back to back to back to back uh and i love the harry marge design too like missing a shoe stain on her dress uh sock. one sock in her hair <laughs> and the bus drag race is probably some one of the funniest auto bits that i've seen in quite a while it's been a while since Otto had such a funny scene. I love his like. It's you like, eat my dust. Yeah. Oh God. It's so good. <laughs> they like, go to this uh, Terminator Two. And the car and the yeah. bus rearing back. Right. That's great. Yeah. It does a wheelie. Yeah. And they go to this like Terminator Two chase zone. Yes. That is. Yes. That is the Sixth Street Viaduct from Los Angeles's Boyle Heights neighborhood. It was in one million movies. I believe it was first made famous in Greece for its big car oh, yeah. race. Then Terminator Two has it. They live 
Smith has it. Anchorman has it. At once it became famous enough, then things like Anchorman or the Beastie Boys sabotage music video, they would do races through there because it's like, yeah, that's the race place. Like, uh, and unfortunately though, that viaduct is no longer with us. It was replaced in 2015 and demolished. How could they do that? It's yeah. It's I like, guess it never truly carried water after it stopped raining in California. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but it's it's movie history. Mm-hmm. Like it, uh, people got to film there, and you just got to feel cool. Like, oh wow, they're filming in the place where like the Terminator drove by, uh, or where uh, Danny Zuko drove his car, or whatever. Yeah, but uh, yes, I also love the way that races. Like again, this felt like a real like animatory touch. The bounce that the car has when it goes up, and the bus has All like the kids bouncing in the air. Yeah, uh, the kids are loving it. So there's two big deleted scenes that are on the DVD for this episode. Uh, the first one is honestly, I wish they'd kept it in there because it's a really funny drawing. So when the bus pops a wheelie and the race is happening, they then drive by a sign, and behind the sign is Wiggum and Lou in a cop car. And instead, and Lou's like, uh, "Chief, why aren't we chasing after him?" Wiggum's head is turned away from him, and then he turns his head to face him, and Wiggum's mouth is open, and a hummingbird is flying around in his mouth, and he says, "Like, no, wait, you're gonna scare it." <laughs> and it's just this very strange. It's kind of like how Wiggum looks like when he gets his lockjaw from uh. eating it, but it's it has a hummingbird in his mouth. I uh, Scully says they cut it because it just looked too weird, but I wish they'd have kept it mm. in. It's a fun, weird drawing. But yes, the the car chase is going so well that Millhouse compares it to Speed Two only with a bus instead of a boat. We also get a, a very brief reference to World Industries, a real skateboard company, and their mm. ma- Flame Boy mascot. Flame Boy, real mascot. Just yeah. a drawing of him. Uh, it's very. It was, but it's so fast you can barely even recognize it. Uh, yes, then they crash down and Marge you know she's right to celebrate her win she gets ahead of them and uh, makes them get on the bus because she earned it but uh, then in a very funny bit they completely they get to the school and then I was like no we actually have to turn back <laughs> I like yeah. how violently he stops and all the kids just fly forward yes yeah. because like, he travels about a foot before hitting the uh, brakes because he like stops and he's like hey we're at school oh actually no and then the, but the kids are all standing and they all fall down yeah love that uh, but it's time to pick up a new kid and so then the second half of act one comes uh becomes very observational stuff about being the new kid at school i was a new kid a couple times it was no fun mm. i i think it it only made my alienation where i was probably going to be bullied at some point anyway but if i wasn't the new kid and could just have been a kid like oh they've known me for like four years we bullied him out if you're a new <laughs> kid bullies are like oh well this is a fresh some fresh paint uh, a dry canvas for our, our paint <laughs> i was only a new kid one once mm. in fourth grade and i think it helped that the class sizes were so small that uh it was easier to integrate because it was like maybe 20 kids in a class ah, okay. so my fourth grade my fourth grade class just had 20 other kids in it so uh i, I guess they were more welcoming that way <laughs> that's nice my experience was that the new kids were kind of novel and so everybody would be inclined to be nice to them at least at first until the novelty wore off mm. at which point then people could uh kind of sort them into in-group and out-group and decide whether or not they needed to be tormented because kids are awful. <laughs> I think it helped that personally for my situation that I was coming from uh, public school to Catholic school. Uh, so they are like, tell us, teach us the secular ways. <laughs> and I was like, what are uh, all these prayers you're saying? I, I I need to learn these quickly. What's it like to wear sneakers at school? Ooh. <laughs> beltless. Uh, I was beltless before. Uh, but yes, as, uh, as the new kid is being picked up, all the kids have their own 
vision of what the new kid would be and honestly this sequence uh we talk about how this reminds us of things from like 20 uh, 10 years earlier in the show but when they find out selma has a new boyfriend in black widower it's the same like three people imagine things jokes or uh or also when homer imagining his perfect day like is this the my the best day of my life uh, it's it's a return of the th- dream balloons which they've not mm. had in a while in i mean show. i wish they were a, l- a bit better than a little boy on a unicorn and some monster yeah the monster's okay i yeah i do like uh ralph ralph's stupid vision oh yeah there are three that yeah. that one that one did me make it live actually uh, the, the ralph vision is good i I, and honestly, I'm into the goat uh, being the new uh, the new kid. Let, let, bring on the goat. That would be a good episode uh, concept for some reason. I don't know why. I like that the goat. The goat seems to be wearing the clothes of the goat from Hee Haw's opening. <laughs> even like, yeah. <laughs> Ralph wants to meet the star of Hee Haw. Uh, and just the the laugh Ralph gives to himself, like ha ha ha. Like just thinking of that made him laugh. Uh, but the real new kid is here. It's Francine. Uh, McMullen talks about how she worked very hard to design her, uh, that she loved the idea that like she'd uh, have a very business-like approach to being a bully, and she's always walking around with a lunchbox like it is her briefcase. Yeah, Lauren wanted her lunchbox to be a Leon the Professional lunchbox, but nobody at the animation studio knew what that was, and they thought she was crazy. They're like, what is Leon? <laughs> See, that attention to detail and caring, that's why she's an Oscar nominee, guys you know go above and beyond like lauren but uh, but yeah the new kid arrives and nobody likes him red hair what's she trying to pull those shoes look canadian she'll never fit in oh it's tough being the new kid someone should go talk to her yeah somebody should one hour dry cleaner man that's fast <laughs> I like Bart just shutting that down. Like, no, I'm not going to help. But, you know, I'm going to actually play the jingle for it because I do think uh, it's not as in your face about it. But Lisa's belief here is one of empathy and empathizing Mm -hmm. with somebody who also is being bullied. And she will then it will be a take that Lisa's beliefs moment because her empathy is rewarded with violence and pain. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to play the jingle. Take that Lisa's beliefs. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was here when you inaugurated that jingle. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, Yardley Smith. Amazing. Yardley Smith rightfully complains that every Lisa story is about just her getting crushed. <laughs> yes. And yeah. just it's never making so, making a friend. It's always like me- meeting an enemy. <laughs> I did actually have that happen to me. There was a kid who was sitting next to me in band, and I had the temerity to start talking, and she said, "Don't talk to me." Mm. And from that point on. I was a target because I was on her radar from that point on. Ooh. Yeah. I should have just kept my head down. I shouldn't have said anything. The second that I tried to start strike up a conversation, it was over. So I, take that as a lesson. Never engage. Ever. It, in middle school, I had an experience with a, a person who I was like, oh, that guy needs a friend. And then I regretted it instantly. Of like, oh, <laughs> no one talks to them because they're annoying. And I and if I felt that person was annoying, <laughs> they really had to be annoying. Also, Bob, you've been there enough now. What is a Canadian shoe? What's it look like? Uh, they're well made ah, and okay. good for uh, rainy weather <laughs> and cold weather. I like it that all the kids are like trying to find something to uh, ostracize this kid about. They're like, what do we got here? Red hair? Okay. Uh, the shoe 
shoes. They look Canadian. We don't know if they're Canadian, but they look it. You know, that Frankie says relax kid. He's on the uh, the the verge of the like ironic t-shirt movement. So yeah. he's good. He's cool, yeah. actually. Why isn't that one of their regular nerds? Why do they invent one nerd for that instead of making it, you know, Database or Martin or, or Millhouse or uh, Ham? Well, you know? I, I love... <laughs> do they just need to heighten it as much as possible to be able for for laughs as it were i guess none of them have headgear on yeah so they needed to embed mm. it with headgear we do see the return of data again because macarini is gone yeah, yeah. He, he hates data's voice data's voice is so great i love i love database yes yeah. uh, i uh, you but, use his full name because you respect him. Uh, yes, yeah, see, well, database is uh, I identify with him quite a lot. I don't, I don't like being squeegeed though. Don't do that to me. But yeah. Uh, I, I, but yeah, the the kid. This joke though, isn't it Martin's Wang computers joke again? Isn't it sort of? But I guess he is not a potential target because of his shirt. I suppose so. those ten year olds in two thousand one don't know about Frankie. It goes to Hollywood. <laughs> Cut to home and. Homer just is not at work, which uh, is useful for him because they get a knock on the door. Kids gone? Yep. It's great to have some time just to ourselves, huh? You read my mind. So, <laughs> this coffee's good, huh? Yeah. The, uh, the milk really takes the edge off. You know, I think our marriage is... I got it! I got it! No, I do! Your baby is dead! That's what you'd hear if your baby fell victim to the thousands of death traps lurking in the average American home. <sighs> Springfield baby proofing? You really scared us! Sorry about that. But the truth is, your baby, Maggie Simpson, is dead! <laughs> dead tired of baby proofers who don't provide a free estimate. Let's start in the kitchen. Oh, I, know, I love that. It's it's a bit uh, similar to Mom, Dad, Bart's Dead. Sure. Dead sure, series sure. about going to Chin oh, Scratchy Land. Oh, that's what the joke was. Okay, I was going, that sounds so familiar. They've done this joke before. Thank you. But that, I, that's I, the one. I do like the context of a sales, a stranger saying this to them and then saying it again. Yeah. So I think yeah. it does heighten. Doubling down yeah. on it, it's great. Yeah. With her big smiling face like, your baby is dead like yeah oh god and and also i just love this sequence that it starts with homer and marge like entering into an uncomfortable conversation about like our marriage yes. is doing great and we, then we don't have anything in common do we uh and just once they get the knock on the door like oh thank god something interrupted that thought we don't have to think about our marriage being in trouble like let's just let's answer the door it feels like the lead-in it feels like the lead into another episode, like maybe Natural Born Kissers or something, where it's mm. like, we're about to go. Just kidding. That plot's not happening. We're doing <laughs> yeah. a totally different plot. One that just has no bearing on anything whatsoever, but just just roll with it. It's fine. <laughs> you know, the, the, clearly they've forgotten the, the joys of their exhibitionism that they learned in that episode. They need to they need to just go have sex in a public place again, <laughs> and then they'll, they'll in, remember what their marriage is really In front about. of this woman, perhaps, with the big butts. Exactly. <laughs> hey, invite her along, man. Man, with that, uh, I mean, it's already getting a little bit kinky with the whole baby thing. Hey, so, you uh, know, they're yeah, on their true. way. We saw you in our living room. We dig your vibe. Yeah, we did. We did. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this baby proofing stuff, apparently it came from Don Payne, I think. Uh, yes. Who uh, found out his house was a death trap yes. because of uh, they're having a kid at the time and this is their experience. And I was uh, like, when we grew up, I don't think there was baby proofing or mm. there wasn't an industry, but I have a scar above my right, sorry, uh, left eyebrow because of of how sharp coffee tables were in the 80s. Oh, wow. If you collided with a coffee table, you could have been decapitated. 
Damn. So I was running as a toddler or crawling, just smashed right into a Jeez. coffee table. Those corners will kill you. Youch, man. I uh, my scar went away, but I I had one, but it was from a dog biting me as like mm. a two year old. But uh, it was uh, it was also in the eyebrow region. Yes, yeah. they're just so tasty. I too have a scar over my eyebrow. It's Whoa. amazing. This is me cry, climbing out of my crib and falling and hitting a toy and mm. splitting my head open, oh. which I do not think any amount of baby proofing would have prevented. And honestly, probably says a lot about my mental state. Anyway, continue. <laughs> now this, uh, yeah, I mean, baby proofing, maybe it's a racket, maybe not. I, Don Payne said he learned that like, oh, my entire house is a death trap to children. And, uh, but uh, I, I also felt very old hearing that story because I'm like, oh, that child must have graduated college by mm-hmm. now, the, the baby he's <laughs> talking about. And also I, I do think that uh, McMullen, the line is the like, oh, I don't think a baby would have a caboose that big. And then Marge is like, oh, what? Uh, Marge is offended first he's like oh man no really <laughs> i think mcmullen drew her i'm not saying it's a cartoonishly large butt but they drew her with a bigger butt than most women have drawn of mm-hmm. butts in in Simpsons. if i may if i may talk about the butts in simpsons um uh, it's I, ahead of its time yeah like uh big butts they're definitely in <laughs> they're judging her for her big butt instead yeah. of appreciating it as they i should. know they got <laughs> i mean nowadays she would absolutely be appreciated. This was yeah. 2001. <laughs> Eyebrows were skinny and yeah. butts were skinnier. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you had to wear like uh, terrible bikinis and mm. made your butt look as flat as possible. <laughs> Yeah. I, I love the very purposeful way she ties the bonnet on. Like this yes. very purposeful flourish <laughs> yeah. of her tying the bonnet. Uh, just like, I'm, I'm about to do this thing. Part of it for her is just acting like a baby in front oh, of adults. absolutely. Yes, this sure. is this is like a, a kink. <laughs> but, and it, I mean, if you're into it, it's fine. But uh, uh, don't put this on other people. And Tress is doing it's some fun. It's not my bit. kink. I find that very uncomfortable. I was <laughs> like, please stop. No, God. I uh, hate these kinds of sequences. Well, also because Tress McNeil is very good at baby sounds. So yeah. she And she's doing that well in character i forgot just how great this scene is of her trying to open the bottle and then when you find uh, out what it is a uh, big laugh for me yes it's yeah. a perfect heightening sorry no the, the the animation on it again like mcmullen and her team did an amazing job like the movement she does of smashing it down and like when she has to stop to get her breath like yeah. The, there's so much like extra movement in there like these are all extra things like flourishes not normally seen in a season 12 episode like I said it a million times but like they were so lucky to get McMullen at this time like the loss of Mission Hill which deserved at least a second season like mm-hmm. that was the Simpsons gain in this case yeah uh, but yes Homer Homer here's how much it costs to not have a dead baby huh. ah! <gasps> she got it open you see how quickly your baby could have been drinking this Similac baby formula? No! Uh, oh, this is such an eye-opener. I always picture the kids dying in the living room. Okay, with the window bars, toilet latches, dingo alarm, and grapefruit squirt shield, your total cost would be... Wow, I'm rich! Three dollars? That doesn't seem so bad. That's the price of the clipboard. Here's your estimate. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Ah! We don't need your high-priced safety junk. Thank you. <laughs> Maggie falls out of the window. Maggie nearly did actually die. Yes. Um, I was going to ask you folks on the on the uh, podcast here was was Mister Yuck a universal thing? Mister Yuck. Oh, definitely. Okay. I don't know this. We learned all about we learned all about Mr. Yuck in Okay. School. Well, in the South, they let you drink poison, Henry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they encourage yeah, it. It was our main industry. Yes. You know. uh, but Mr. Yuck, uh, when I was growing up in the 80s, there were these green stickers with like a, a face making like a, oh, a yucky face on it. 
and you would uh, put them on bottles that you shouldn't drink. And they like they gave us these as kids to bring home and give to our parents. Like, hey, mom and dad, put uh, this on bottles uh, that I'm not supposed to touch. Uh, but when I got them, I was like, don't patronize me. <laughs> I'm not going to drink the dishwashing liquid. Get out of here. Uh, but dishwashing liquid has so many like uh, delicious looking apples on it or whatever. It might taste like apples. You got to find out. I'm not saying I did that once or twice <laughs> as a little kid. But no, I, I probably could have used a Mr. Yuck once or twice in my in my childhood <laughs> this bit of her trying to open it and then th- just taking it is like yeah oh it's so easy to open like i love that i also love homer consistently throws out people with it who give him estimates if you give homer an estimate you will be thrown out of the <laughs> house but but the layout of the shot of her being thrown out like it is from you know they could have just done it on a very flat angle of her like flying out of the house it's like an up angle of her flying above the camera like it's it's a really creative use of that shot this is explaining the joke and i will do that but i do love how she gets it open because she's trying to tell everybody like a baby could open these things but she uses both the height the strength and the knowledge of how to use tools Mm. as an adult woman to open the bottle and it ends up being similac uh it's so good it's baby formula yes also marge has to be very stupid too alongside homer she got it open Yeah. yeah it's it's a really good it's a really good sequence i wish this uh this lady had stuck around for more of the episode she's very funny but they throw her out they decide uh, they're not gonna take oh. care of it the, the one line i really liked and wrote down was homer uh thinking i always imagine the kids dying in the living room oh yes that's great <laughs> yes and i was like three dollars that's not so bad it's like no that's the price of the clipboard like yeah <laughs> and, uh, so yes we come back to the school francine is all alone nobody likes her lisa and lisa she just can't take it look at the new kid hogging the teeter-totter it's like she owns the place yeah she thinks she's babe pig in the city give her a break remember your first day at school not as long as i keep taking these (laughs) well someone's gotta make her feel welcome hi there my name's lisa what's yours (laughs) that's a good act break now don't feel bad honey Did you know back in grade school I had a bully problem myself? Everybody was kung fu fighting! Those cats were best as lightning! Good times. And Homer just walks away because his line's over. Is Homer committing a hate crime there Uh, against Smithers? Making it Smithers does make it worse to me. Actually, I don't like Smithers having gone to the same high school as Homer. I know, right? I mean, they'd already done this bit because he was like the announcer for Homer's gym class or gymnast thing. So it has been established. But I still don't like it. This makes him like grade school friends with him. Like it's uh, For some reason, that feels crazier to me than... I mean, we're getting closer than ever to Homer at camp with every single person he knows is an adult yeah so we'll get there yeah. uh so it's on the annoying canon this is annoying canon stuff but it makes me think of so smithers when they were quote-unquote hiring uh homer and like the origin story of how he got his job at the power plant they make it seem like smithers like is older than homer mm-hmm. and that he went to a prestigious college right and that he knew all of these guys right and now they've completely changed it so now he's just one of the many schoolmates of homer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's... any adults they're all the same age all the adults <laughs> mr burns will be there <laughs> uh <Yeah. laughs> one thing i wanted to talk about was like now that we've established the bully and that she's a bad person um on the comment 
commentary, they talk about the original direction the story was going to take, and they are so in love with the original idea, they talk about it for five minutes and have deep regrets about not doing it. And the original uh, idea for the story was that at the end of Act 2, Lisa takes a swing at the bully, she misses, hits... Uh, Principal Skinner and is sent to juvenile hall for the entire third act. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why didn't we do that? That's such a good idea. Uh, I I like that Yardley on it. She's like, what the hell? Yeah. Like she's, she is upset that she lost a better part for her character too. Yeah. Yard, I, I, I think Yardley is pretty, uh, maybe she had a couple of drinks on this (laughs) one. She's having, uh, she's letting loose with her opinions on these episodes, but I, I love that. I'd, I'd rather her do that than be nice. Like I prefer, the critical Yardley to the like oh that's very funny Yardley who just is complimenting everything uh, I but- think that's a good concept for an episode actually I'm, I am actually surprised that they didn't keep it in their back pocket and just go with it it's not too late. It's never too late for an episode like that. You could just fully redo this episode, just name, rename yeah. the characters, update a couple. And maybe things. they did. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I guess so. It could. There's a lot of episodes I haven't seen. It could have happened in season 28. Uh, I, uh, also, I love that Millhouse references Babe Pig in the City. What we're, a weird thing. We're missing a, a third sequel reference because we had Speed Two. We uh, had Babe Pig in the City. We need one more. Man, yeah. Where's his Electric Boogaloo reference? You know, that's too hacky. They wouldn't do that in 2001 that's ahead of its time i guess so yeah that's true but yes in my childhood i certainly would have liked some repress it all i tell <laughs> you what I, uh, <laughs> they sell it now it comes in bottles at the liquor store <laughs> and uh, uh it's pretty good yeah it works i mean it works for a night so you <laughs> got, i guess you got to keep up your you know yeah. it's just like any medicine you gotta you gotta do it all the time <laughs> i mean it's shocking though to see like lisa punched in the face and then having a black eye in the next shot mm-hmm. like you violence is never done to lisa in the show before this like ba- basically never bart's been beaten up plenty of times so, so far so many times they kind of have to let that go this episode later in the episode they make it clear bart is not bullied he does not uh let off the point dextrose uh later but it's like but we've seen bart horribly beaten and bullied yeah. in previous he's, episodes he's millhouse adjacent yeah the episode where bart becomes a nerd does that mean that he started to excrete poindextrose hmm. at that point? Mm, must have been. Once he got the glasses and the hair care stuff, that, that's the when it started to come out. But maybe it is that he's too close to Milhouse all the time, and Milhouse exudes so much of it, of the pheromone, that Bart has it rubbed off on him. Splashing on the Bart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh homer's remembering he was a bully thing too also it's uh, it's a less funny version of the amazing joke in uh, husky bobby in the king of the hill episode right yeah. hey fatty you're Maybe. fat yeah. yeah i also the fact that he sings kung fu fighting an old ass song that makes me feel like it's an algene pitch he's like wouldn't yeah. it be funny if he sang a song from the 70s so yeah at the, so that song is from 74 but when they hey, fla- wait a minute yeah. yeah so they flash back and you know conceivably it was established that they graduated 74 but now we're 10 years later mm. so he should be an 84 graduate yeah so uh, it makes okay. less sense the more the show goes on obviously uh, but i also just feel bad like he punches smithers glasses off like fine punches to the gut bully <laughs> though but if you're punching the face that's that's fun that's too far in bully Some, somebody's got to pay for those <laughs> marge suggests all the ways that uh, she could befriend francine and lisa first suggests uh, jazz fusion which marge uh, says let's put that in the maybe file <laughs> which also that's kind of marge's catchphrase of like that's a maybe or let's put this in the maybe pile she's marge has put many things in maybe piles uh and then comes back malibu stacy which i was trying i looked into this so lisa basically st- not that malibu stacy never appeared again but 
after the Lisa Lionheart episode, Lisa didn't do much Malibu Stacy stuff for a while. I definitely think Bill and Josh, because they wrote the Lisa Lionheart episode, they decided they would have turned down any uh, Lisa plays with Malibu Stacy jokes. But in the Scully years, Malibu Stacy came back and mm-hmm. like Lisa just plays with Malibu Stacy's again. And Skinner, uh, sorry, Smithers wrote the musical. Yes, yes, yes. That entire sequence gave me heartburn, I might add, because when you're being bullied... And then you go to your parents, or at least my parents. I think you're kind of wanting, I don't know, sympathy for mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And instead, you get a lot of bad advice on how to deal with the bullying. It's like, no, 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 this is not a personal failing. I am dealing with a vicious, <laughs> vicious person. And please, I just need you to make me feel safe, okay? So I, All those tips and tricks you get from parents in those yeah. moments. It's just like, can't you just talk to like a teacher and make it stop? Like yeah. you, you're my parents go do that. You know, I have to negotiate now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, Oh, maybe they do it because of this. Maybe they do it because of that. Like, I don't care why they do it. I would like it to stop. Like I don't, yeah, that that ultimately was how I felt about bullies. Even though I'd see shows, not this show when I was at my most bullied, but like, I don't know, like a Nickelodeon show would say like, well, a bully is actually just this or stand up to a bully in that. And it's like, no, 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 no. Especially like if you ever try to hit back at a bully, what you learn is that like they were waiting for an excuse to oh, actually yeah. fight you and you are not as good a fighter as your bully. Almost certainly you, you can maybe get a sucker punch in on them, but that's the best you're getting, you know? Uh, but yes, Marge suggests that they play with dolls. They uh, bring their Malibu Stacy, uh, which Lisa has the, the cute little line. They're not dolls. They're aspiration figures uh, play on the old term of like, it's not a doll. It's an action figure that boys would say. Uh, this is where there was another deleted scene. When Lisa says uh, she's going to bring the Malibu Stacy, she says, oh, but she needs to be a little sassier. And there's a dial on the back of Malibu Stacy that when you turn it, her ponytail goes shorter and shorter <laughs> on her. And then as she's doing it, Marge gets concerned and she's like, not too sassy. <laughs> so She's got she's to go to grad school. <laughs> uh, but then there's another very funny scene of uh, Homer starting his own big baby proofing plans that baby proofing crook wanted to sell us safety covers for the electrical outlets but i'll just draw bunny faces on them to scare maggie away she's not afraid of bunnies she will be <laughs> i love that That's <laughs> it's so great funny. logic from homer <laughs> it's uh, classical conditioning all that homer can draw are bunnies so he's gonna make her scared of bunnies he's not gonna learn to draw a scary thing he's just gonna he, he'll go the other way around it i love that i i mean just his delivery of she will be and also his his pronouncement of that baby proofing crook <laughs> Uh, and also like covers for electrical outlets are not expensive. They, no, they, they're like 59 cents or yeah, something. Yeah, they're nothing. I did have those as a kid. My parents did invest in those and in my, I had, I had some sharp corners and I had, uh, <laughs> I, I had times where I found out later in life where my dad kept his guns. I was like, Oh, that is very reachable for a toddler. Why did you, I never discovered it as a toddler. And the, the vicious dogs, Henry and the vicious, yeah. Biting at your course, eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, God, fucking dog. Continuing yeah. on the cat was not a smart child tip. I did, in fact, stick a key into an electrical outlet when I was maybe three or four because I was not smart. I wanted to see what happened. I discovered what happened. It was very painful. 
And so kids I, are dumb, or more specifically, I was dumb. So. I've heard that uh, every outlet is a secret door. You should try mm, it. There's I, treasure behind it. You just happened to find one that wasn't that, but you this will is, soon. This is to weed out all the stupid children in our audience. We cut back to the school. Lisa is talking to her bully, uh, and this is when she finds out that the bully broke into her locker and stole her Malibu Stacy. And again, oh, what dynamic shots. The way she bites off the head, spits it, and bounces it off of Lisa, and and then the look, the shot of Lisa looking down at the doll's head in shock, like that's such a, I love every shot of that. It really looks great. And uh, I mean, just the extremeness of Francie, not only stealing her doll, but breaking into her locker to tear it apart like that. Uh, Kathy Griffin is very scary in her couple lines she has here. And her guttural yells are, they, they're intense, right? Like, yes. uh, they're, she, she really dives into the character with the very, very, very little amount of uh, material that she is given. Uh, and this is when Lisa gets stuffed in a locker, another very funny drawing that Bob has on his background for this uh, one. And then followed by that, we also see that Milhouse and Ralph were both shoved in a locker next to her. They're their totem pole, as, as Ralph says. And then we come to a scene that, I'll, okay, I'll say, I didn't like this in 2001. I thought it was way too cartoony. I actually really like this scene now. Oh, I love it. It's so well animated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so violent. Yes. Uh, and there's no blood, and I guess that's how they get away with it the last like, scene where he's pushing the nail back through his hand when the scene cuts you can see a little blood in his palm oh god man yeah I, uh, mcmullen storyboarded the whole sequence and god it looks so great like the so homer is using a nail gun to you know put safety cushions around things hands the nail gun to maggie uh and this also made me think about how so many of the almond shorts were about maggie's in danger but actually she's fine it's other horrible things happen to other people and this bit of like her the shots of her laughing with the nail gun <laughs> that then cut back to homer having a nail fully go through his hand and to the other side like obviously homer's a cartoon character but this is nerve damage on a real yeah, person like your hand doesn't work the same after that nailing his ears to the wall oh that drawing of his ears like the way it works in sequence like right hand first then left hand against the wall then he moves his head out of the way and the nail smashes a picture of him right dead, dead in, the in the head. forehead yeah uh and then nailing his ears like you never think about what homer's ears look like if they were to be stretched out and here like mcmullen imagines like well here's what homer's flattened ears against a wall look like it's pretty crazy uh the whole sequence works so great and then when marge comes into the room homer's like please help please like, <laughs> maggie is about to kill homer as you know she's pretty good with a gun as we have we've learned already i really like how uh even after marge rescues homer maggie still has a nail gun as he goes on about like i found my new crusade and then maggie just fires more nails at him after he's yes. done talking he's like get her out of here uh yeah he uh here's here's homer describing his baby proofing the house to Marge. Now do you realize how unsafe the American home is? Baby accidents occur every three minutes. I'm the one who told you that. Yeah, but this is me talking. Look, I already encased the telephone in concrete. How are you supposed to dial? Reach into these holes. I use a carrot. Isn't that a little <laughs> excessive? I mean, how are the buttons dangerous? Baby could order poison. Oh, that's ridiculous. Poison delivery service. A gift basket of poisons is on its way. Huh. Oh, I'm a horrible mother. <laughs> of course you are. March, <laughs> I finally discovered the reason God made me. To protect his tiniest, most breakable creatures. 
And I've got to share that gift with the world. Ow! Get her out of here. <laughs> Homer is going to kill his baby. Oh, I love that. Get her out of here. Like, it's just, God, the pain. The pain. Like, I also love the reality of it that Maggie shoots three at once. They could all hit Homer, but that would be too cartoony. It's actually much realer. Like, one goes straight through his hand. Oof, oof, oof. Oh, God. And it's it, very Looney Tunes, but I, I don't know. It somehow works because, oh, yeah. again, like you said, the animation in this episode, but also they do a surprisingly great job of pacing out these individual scenes. So they never feel too slow, but they never are too kind of insane. And it's that kind of pacing that I think is pretty rare for this era of The Simpsons. I, I love Homer's just like, get her out of here. Like, he's, he's in I so much I love the gift pain. basket of po- poison. I think that uh-huh. whole bit is hilarious. I don't know why. Maybe it's just a repetition of the word poison <laughs> over you, and over again. And it, if you're able to dial a poison place, even without talking, they're just like, if you've dialed this number, yes, you get free poison. We're sending you poison. Uh, and Marge is like, I mean, it's like, well, that's ridiculous. And of course, the audience is going, of course, that's ridiculous. But then they're like, no, no, no. There's actually a gift back get a poison in this uh, And Homer's reply of like, of course you are to her saying she's a horrible mother. <laughs> I also love how Homer just matter of factly says like, I use a carrot. Like it's a styling wand. <laughs> and, and just the visual of the, of the phone encased in concrete is yeah. really strong as well. You know, the only big note I have on, I, I like all the baby proofing stuff with Homer pretty much, but the, my biggest note is just, it's weird that they do this B plot of Homer cares about taking care of kids. And then four episodes later in Children of a Lesser Clod, that's the A story. Yeah. I, I confuse scenes with this from that episode. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I so glad this didn't have the scab one. Uh, I can at least wait another month or so before we cover <laughs> that one in the disgusting scab. It's been joke. 20 years. You came around on the nail scene. Uh, I did but i don't think i will you know watch me be uh change my mind but i don't think i'll change my mind on this one <laughs> that scab is so gross uh so uh so, <laughs> but so yeah so homer homer's baby proofing go back to the school we get to see martin being um horribly tortured but i guess you know it's not so bad if if martin was crying through this you'd feel awful instead he he just has uh, you know like a nerdy correction to it which uh, only gets him more tomatoes thrown at him uh which uh Rusi, she's uh Rusi's a lot of voices in this mm-hmm. this is a busy one for Rusi. yes lisa wants some help with her bullying she approaches Nelson, Jimbo, Dolphin, Kearney, and uh, this is, uh, I, I like the bit of the bullies acting like Hollywood types of like, oh, you know, we were just talking about that. <laughs> Nelson going on like, oh, the, here's the history of bullying. You'll yeah. be surprised. Some facts about it. I also, when they see her quote unquote Indian rope burns, uh, that they ask like, are you sure this was done by hand? And she's like, yeah, she's a real purist. Like, I love Kearney <laughs> inspecting her wrist and just mm-hmm. admiring the, the craftsmanship. Professional appreciation. It gets back to how they wanted to make Francine a professional nerd, right? So yes. Jimbo, Dolph and Kearney are professionals as well. And a they appreciate the pro. excellent work that she's putting in. But uh, this is when they find out the gender of the bully and they will not do it because I for a second thought they were going to say like, hey, I don't fight girls or whatever. But it's not that they there's no like issue with it that they don't want to punch a girl. It's just that they they worry that girls will fight dirtier than they do and that they might fall in love. Which it impl- you know what? Girls do fight dirty. I, I have to say. So they're right to fear that. Uh, and also it, it implies that there was another episode where like Nelson fell in love with a girl bully he tried <laughs> to fight. Save it for the future. <laughs> uh, but yes, then uh, Nelson 
like Lisa can't believe it. She's like, wow. And then so Nelson, you know, tells her, uh, walk with me again, like a real Hollywood big shot. Uh, and this is when Lisa starts to try to understand. Would you bullies be interested in some bodyguard work? Oh, this is so funny. We were just talking about moving into protection. We're offering a recess and lunch package that's very affordable. Well, I'm going to need full coverage. My bully is highly aggressive. Check out these Indian burns. Good day. Oh, Let's check it out. Triple twist. Nice work. You sure this was done by hand? Yeah, she's a real purist. She? <gasps> Sorry, we don't do girls. They bite and kick and scratch. And sometimes we fall in love. Mm. <laughs> wow, there's so much I don't understand about bullying. Yeah, there's a lot of history there. Did you know it predates agriculture? Mm-mm. Let's walk. Finish the job. <laughs> I just don't understand Francine's motivation. Why does she only go after the smart ones? That's like asking the square root of a million. No one will ever know. Someone will. I'm going to crack the bully code. Once she cracks the bully code at the end of this episode, shouldn't there be no more bullying in Springfield after this? Or the world. Or the world, yeah. This... All the nerds will just smell like salad dressing. <laughs> she you... just inadvertently discovers world peace. Yes. She got rid of the poindextros, the end of war. Uh, and it's as common as salad dressing, so anybody can afford it. Uh, but yes, uh, then cuts to Homer driving around in his wee care car, which is it's a cute little design. I like the, the giant baby doll with a knight's helmet on as he drives. You know, we care is not that creative of a name. Do you know how many things are called we care? Oh, I, Every I, preschool is called we care. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even is it the W-E-E yes. care? Oh, yes. Well, that's, that's the joke. I guess that is the very obvious joke anybody would think of. Yeah, they, they should be suing. The, whoever did it first got to sue Fox for that. And uh, yeah, coming up after this, I just want to name check it. It is the seventh of eight total NRBQ songs that have been on the show God during damn, Mike Skelly's run. Man, that's at least he's shamed. He's ashamed of it on the yeah. commentary. He's like, "Yes, I I got them again." Like uh, I know a hunk hunka burns in love is the final one uh, of, of his run. Well, and, uh, and I mean that's one of the last ones he did in yeah. a show run in 2013. Al Jean, not the fan of NRBQ that he is. I I guess which would you rather hear, Bob? NRBQ or like old ass songs like Moon River or whatever? Used oh to that boy, play. yeah. At least I know the latter. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It were. Uh, I was also surprised that they bothered to get Jan hooks for one line in this it's uh but when homer helps up who and manjula like manjula actually has a line here i kind of like the bit that homer look of course it's an insensitive joke about people's hindu beliefs but that's kind of the point of it and then homer seems to go like oh i'm actually hindu as well but you don't see me make a big deal out of it uh, which that's odd yeah to say and his line is oddly clipped off at the end i, I it felt like an error or something yeah it's uh there's two other bits there's that and and there's a bit where Lenny and Carl appear on scene at the very end of the scene in Act Three. That I was like, "Is there not a next line here that got deleted?" But it's not in the deleted scenes hmm. on the discs. So. Yeah, Lenny and Carl just drinking on the street for no reason. Yeah, same with Homer. Should definitely. It definitely feels like Homer's about to turn a corner and be like, "Oh, and you should also change this," and it leads to another joke. But instead, he just says like, "Hey, you don't hear me uh, fussing about it," and 
next scene uh and yeah and uh, rbq's always safety first from the 1997 album you're nice people you are from their first kids album so they went down that route mm, i guess it fits for this kids section then mm-hmm. too yeah and uh hibbert has like an inconsistent amount of kids a number of kids i looked that up too yeah this is yeah. like just, just named on the wiki uh, hibbert's third son right because if you look at the family group shots of the hibbert family as seen in bart's dog gets an f or bart sells his soul it is him his wife bernice his daughter and his son and yeah there's like a rudy style character and a theo style character exactly from the cosby show though i would guess that this baby is like oh uh, in the hibbert family version of his sitcom that's the cosby show they've given him a baby by season 12 like you need a baby to add some more add some more stuff to this also the baby looks weird it's it's an odd it's an odd baby it's an odd yeah his his hairline is not really he should have the hibbert hibbert's kids all have a consistent hairline this baby does not have the same hairline it's it's strange but obviously, because Hibbert is a is a Cosby reference, he enjoys some Jello with Homer. Like that's that's a joke. Homer filled the pool full of Jello. Yeah, babies falling into pools is actually you know is one of the uh, many tragedies that happens uh, too often with babies. I I actually almost drowned in a pool. I was as thinking a baby. of that. Yes, I, I I've told this story before. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I was taken care of by a neighbor, and my mom came to visit to pick me up. She had a pool. Normally, it was very secure with it, but this time I got out and fell to the pool. And my mom, who was uh, she tells the story, she was like seven months pregnant or something, had to with my brother had to reach into the pool and pull me on she said she never saw something as scary as me looking up with no emotion on my face from a bottom of a pool it was supposed to be this way mother Uh, but yeah, th- in this case, it's Jello that he bounces into, and of course, there's always room for Jello with Hibbert, a, do- a Cosby right. parody. Okay, yes. yeah, I yep. forgot about that. <laughs> well, you know, we don't think about Cosby and Jello much these days. Speaking of not playing the death jingle or yes, the anti death yeah. jingle, yep, get him, get him down in hell too. <laughs> Uh, Come on. uh, And then it cuts to Homer saving Ralph from being run over. And uh, the man that he launches out of the car must be dead. Homer kills this man. Like, I know he twitches, but he's dead. I only knew about severe tire damage spikes uh, from The Simpsons until I moved to California, where parking is actually at a premium here. Back in Ohio, just park wherever you want. Park on your lawn. Nobody cares. If you found a parking space, good on you. Just park here. Yeah. No, when I first came here, seeing signs were like hey this wall this is just for walgreens parking i was like oh that's new that's not in jacksonville florida i encourage you to count up homer's body count because huh. it's i'm sure it's quite high at this point oh yeah just counting all the people in the net yeah yeah oh man all the guys who drowned under him in the net not to mention he in simpson tide he sends a boat uh, like a full battleship over a waterfall and so you gotta think there's you know dozens dead in that if not hundreds and then on top of that homer launches a guy out of a torpedo which actually is like a corpse on screen that mm-hmm. you see <laughs> he does kill so there you go guy. like you just named almost a dozen right there and of course when homer's stopping for new billboard day uh about seven cars crash up behind him and instantly catch on <laughs> yes. fire so he definitely kills those people so yeah there you homer- go. that's your new project great youtube video right there. Mm, you know instead yeah in, uh, it'll be our answer to our pal drew Mackey's every gayest moment it'll be every, every homer, murder homer, <laughs> the homer sides we'll oh. call it that we'll cut edit this out we're making homer it murdering people. <laughs> anyway. uh so is this the return of wendell 
Uh, uh, yeah. So he, he had, well, I mean, you'll see him in the background a lot, right. but I couldn't remember the last time he puked. I think it was once in Homer's Odyssey. Right. Yes. And that was it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, yeah, this is the return of Wendell in his, okay. I just remember the last time I saw him puked, and there could be one after it. But it's all the kids puking at Martin's party, but he's the one who pukes. And in he the also, bounce house. In the bounce house, okay. yes. Yeah. So that was them remembering his original characteristic, which was uh, in the background for about 20 years of the opening is the kids fleeing the bus because Wendell threw up. Yes, yeah. And his, his natural state in his character design is just him holding his stomach as he's sick. But this... This is like vomits dripping from his face, yeah. which they could not draw in 1990. <laughs> no. Now, now they can. And I was like, "Does Wendell sound like this?" Because we just recorded uh, Lisa Substitute, and I found out every woman voiced Wendell at some point. I see. Yeah, yeah. not as hard and fast as they are with like Millhouse or Martin. Uh, yeah. So they remember Wendell. They also remember Rowdy Roddy Peeper. Yes. Yeah. They, because uh, Lisa asked for security cameras because she knows that Willie loves to tape people as he as every scottish person does it listen to the music it's he's evil <laughs> uh though i mean honestly i understand that willie is very worried about paper towel rolls but it actually is very sus to put a camera in a children's bathroom yes even, even if it's just pointed at the sink and the towel rack and not at a toilet no, you know, no i never willie. thought about that yeah okay uh, <laughs> well, thank you thank you for making that even darker henry i'm sorry maybe I... it's a teacher's lounge bathroom <laughs> uh, he's watching mrs krabappel poop i guess sure his, his overreaction to seeing the the red stripe is is really good so i love that it makes it worth it those yeah. red stripes are gone now you don't have the paper towel. honestly i feel lucky if i can use a paper towel roll in a bathroom like it's usually just the just the air the the air blade or whatever it's called yeah I do like that Wendell's apologizing for his vomiting and then well he just says like it reminds me of why I got into this business like that's that's a good line once again Willie is a professional everybody is very professional in this episode mm-hmm. yeah. uh, also I do wonder if these security camera jokes are a little bit about Columbine do you think mm. it's I was wondering a, if it was oh, more, more of a Chuck Berry <laughs> joke oh well sure in that regard but I, I think of the I think of the idea of like oh they installed security cameras at school and mm. Willie pretending like they didn't it could be yeah just the the heightening of like the security like the police state of the school because this aired almost four years after Columbine, mm. which, uh, I mean, ta- I, I guess when you talk about bullying in our generation, that is a uh, component of it as well. Uh, it, w- it happened in my near the end of my freshman year in high school. And after that, like all the fun was over, everything. Uh, and, and obviously, Bob, you went through some oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, which people got to listen to the they got to <laughs> pay for the podcast. Yeah, to hear that you have to listen one. to the third talkie Futurama. Yes. Yeah. That's premium content, yes. Bob's horrible page. You can hear about the worst thing that could ever happen to a high school student, yeah. and it did. I'm sorry, Bob. It's okay. It's, uh, it's, that's uh, why I didn't say anything on this podcast. It's like, I have a story that could outstory either one of you. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Lisa is analyzing the tape. Hey, that time she looked right at me and didn't touch me. Hmm. <gasps> of course, the nose clip. Hey, Willie, I think I'm on to something. Check this out. Not talking, eh, Willie? Just listen, then. I think I figured out what sets off that big ape, Francine. Willie? Willie? Whoa! <laughs> it's a genuine horror movie yeah. in the end of Act Two. Great shot. 
I love I love Willie's thumbs up. Also, the paused shot of her being like yanked out from under the the table. Like again, that McMullen could have boarded that or Aster team, whoever did it, laid it out. That could have been a very flat shot of Lisa being pulled out from under it. It is a d- dynamic camera angle that's kind of like fish-eyed even when Lisa mm-hmm. is pulled out in it. Like it's it's needlessly uh, an extra flourish to it that I love. And and also just how proud Willie is. He's like, oh, Lisa's looking on the camera and she can see I replaced it pretty good, right? Uh, and also Lisa has written is stupider than usual. Her saying just like, not talking, Willie. That's okay. Hey, let me just... <laughs> I like that. But yes, this uh, this is the new third act there. Then I wish she did just go to juvenile hall. But instead, Lisa realizes it's somehow smell related. This uh, dangerous uh, what makes her be violent. And so after the break, it's at the Marvin Monroe Memorial Gymnasium. So character is still dead. He will be unkilled. in I think about three years. Yeah, after 2004, this. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I don't like watching Lisa scrape sweat off of nerds. It's gross. It's, uh, it's for science. Like it. uh, and also, wouldn't the joke be better that Millhouse enjoys the uh, being scraped by mm. Lisa? Why does Database seems? I mean, of course, da- I'm fine with Database being a freak who likes having his sweat <laughs> scraped off of him. But shouldn't Millhouse enjoy doing that when Lisa does it? Mm. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. So I'm actually kind of glad that they went with that. I just uh, want to hear database talk more. I, uh, yeah, I, it feels so right. This then leads to, well, if you want to talk about being uncomfortable with a line. Oh, ooh, boy. Uh, at the same time, it's also great. It, yes. This entire yeah. scene is great, and I love the, the Nelson stuff too. So, yes, uh, Dredrick Tatum, not Mike Tyson, arrives in school. And so, as a uh, heavyweight champion, Recognized by nine of the 14 sanctioning bodies, I sincerely urge you all to stay in school. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Dredrick Tatum. That was truly a KO. Knockout oration. <laughs> Need a ride home? You really don't want that. Trust me. Mr. Tatum, <laughs> do you mind if I swab you with this damp rag? No, not at all. Swab away. Whoa, whoa. Nobody mentioned a beaker. Please, it's for science. Oh, for science. In that case, proceed. Lisa, this is outrageous. Explain yourself. Shh. It's working. Look. (laughs) Nelson, what are you doing? I don't know. I can't help myself. Hey, cut it out. I insist that you desist. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Yes! Please don't hurt me. You leave me little recourse. <laughs> oh, so, man. So Tatum's going to horribly beat Nelson in front of all these people, yeah, I guess. I mean, like two very dark jokes. I, I do I do like the idea that Tatum is aware I am a monster. Yes. I will, yeah. I will do unspeakable things to you if you want to date me, and I will also murder a child. Oh, the way he says, you really don't want that, trust me. And the way Edna kind of backs away, I was like, ooh. They, ooh, they thank George Meyer for that joke. Yes. And it's, and they, and it's a blink of you to... Sorry, blink if and you'll miss it kind of joke where they don't put too fine of a point on it. They just kind of move on. But yeah, in hindsight, whoa, that's that's really intense. Yes, yeah, and of course, I mean it. 
trades off of Mike Tyson's criminal history as well, of course, which makes it, you know, obviously more dark. Yeah. I assume he's there for community service reasons, right? The, yeah, he doesn't say it, but yeah. obviously I would say too. I mean, he is a local boy from Springfield, so maybe he's just coming back to his high school. But you know, he really fucked up, as he said. <laughs> I love how convenient it is that a heavyweight boxing champ is there and how he's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> nobody mentioned a beaker. Nelson is dead. Yes. Yeah. Nelson has been killed. Uh, I also love that was a that was truly a ko knockout oration <laughs> that's good i and yeah uh so another deleted scene this is the last one right after the wedgie they give a little more setup to the next scene that happens with homer and marge it's homer has now put maggie inside a series of springs that holds her up like basically keeps her arms and legs busy so she can't get free hmm. and uh, nail him some more i'm assuming but so <laughs> homer is satisfied with that and then marge is like hey well now we can watch what i want to watch and then marge turns on the tv uh and uh oh man this joke uh, somebody's somebody's uh wife had this on in the background though they're writing a simpsons episode that's all i gotta say somebody was mad their wife was watching the view and they had to let you know about it here's here's homer learning from the tv and now the estrogen network presents afternoon yak man canceled the safe baby craze it's sweeping Springfield thanks to one crusading parent. That's me, Safety Dance. You can dance. You can dance. Everybody look at your pants. But while Homer Simpson has made our babies safe, he's made infant-related businesses cry. All the way away from the bank. How are your baby crutch sales? Uh, terrible, Kent. And cartoon character band-aids, forget about it. Look at his baby. I'm not a scratch on him, and I got both payments. The dream is over. <laughs> Shut her down, boys! <laughs> oh. Dear God, what have I done? Babies of Springfield, we need your help. Please, skin your knees. Put dice up your nose. Let cats sleep on your face. <laughs> so first off, Cat, what do you think of uh, a women's show being saying man and boo? I mean, that was a very 2001 joke, right? Mm. I mean, Who gave these women was, a show? Sorry yeah. to talk over you. <laughs> Casual sexism was very much a thing at that period of time. So uh, it's kind of a South Park joke, I think. Uh, yeah. It's very, or no, Family Guy. That was a very Family Guy joke right there. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Homer's response is to get you, the viewer, to say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, Homer, yeah. cancel that. No more of this. Women who just hate I, on men for no reason. I'm absolutely certain that a good chunk of the Simpsons audience circa that time like had a good laugh at that. And we're like, absolutely. Uh, they just want to boo men. No, <laughs> they I... just hate men. That's all these women do. Uh, Afternoon Yak is quite a name for it. Too. <laughs> yes. They're wearing their viciousness on their sleeve. Just yes. like these women won't shut up. They they also accredit that to George Myers. Oh, well. George, yeah. come on. Uh, uh, okay. So the, I love the plot. I love the turn this plot takes in which Homer realizes he's hurting the businesses that profit off of babies being injured. <laughs> so he must stop his crusade. The funniest thing in the background is the sign joke, in my opinion. A1 baby crutch. Oh, yes. Number yeah. one, it's funny. Just the idea of a baby crutch store. Number two the idea that they want to be first in the phone book so they're a1 baby crutch 
perfect. That is perfect. I, yeah. I did miss that bit of it. That's so you're right, Bob. Very perfect. <laughs> and all of the soot covered blue collar workers marching out of the baby greeting card factory oh, that so can good. only make baby greeting cards. They couldn't change their business plan. And the guy goes, dreams over, boys. It can't it can't be greeting cards for anything else than a hurt baby. It can't even be congratulations on your baby. Yeah. It, it's only for hurt babies. But that was his dream to uh, uh, have his cards go out to hurt babies. It's beautiful. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's a great little. It's a great little sketch. And uh, also, Homer, because Homer sings this for the until I did it in karaoke. I actually did think the line was "Everybody look at your pants." I think I did too. But of course, the real lyric is "Everybody look at your hands," which well, also doesn't make sense. Which is just as stupid. Yeah, yeah. But I think it fits for Homer to be singing a song from 1982. It's uh, at one point, it's when Bart was born, so he could have still been listening to pop music then i also just love the incredibly sweaty line it's he's made infant related businesses cry all the way away from the bank (laughs) but it also feels very this is the other part where it felt abrupt homer is basically doing the soylent green run of like no everyone do this and and then he runs by lenny and carl and it really feels like they should say a line after that they 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 should not be there if they're not going to talk like drinking out of bags there has to be like some sort of joke but it's not on the dvds Mm -hmm. maybe it was written and boarded and not actually animated who knows but it's not there or it's a bad joke and scully's like well we're not gonna put a bad joke on here it looks dumb yeah uh let cats sleep on your face that's my favorite of the specifics (laughs) of what it could happen to a baby (laughs) which the danger is i thought it was like oh that you'll you know suffocate with a cat on your face but also it's like when the cat wakes up if it's startled it's gonna slash the crap out of your face As, as all cat owners know even as adults uh, and so then we cut to the 12th annual big science thing, as it says on the banner, which will be paid off when uh, Frank just says it like a science thing later. Again, Lauren McMullen, she had her, and her team had to design a room full of wacky scientists. Yeah. And- you, only, you can only see the first three rows, thankfully. Uh, still it's a lot yeah and and she made sure to design three that look like the three stooges but apparently they were rarely seen together in the shot but you like you can spot a champ every now or a curly here and there i really love the incredibly cartoony and silly design of the mousetrap scientist because he he seriously looks like he'd be in season two of the show yeah he's great and yes they have to smash uh the it's a mousetrap that kills the flying saucers that are always over the white house finally they can be stopped but so lisa is about to do her presentation she's feeling very nervous because the inventor of the walkie-talkie is there and he's not there with his wife marge knows who he is and what his wife looks like (laughs) it's great knowledge for her character google tells me the inventor of the walkie-talkie is canadian inventor donald hings in 1937 okay i, was, I would assume he's dead yes long long dead but uh before that he was a philanderer but <laughs> uh but yes frank as usual is very nice and supportive of lisa i wish they'd done more stuff of lisa and frank uh, being friends mm-hmm. i like them as a pair uh but yes lisa has a theory to present but not everybody wants to listen scientists Scientists, please. Looking for some order. Some order, please, with the eyes forward and the hands neatly folded and the pang of the tank. Pi is exactly three! (gasps) Very sorry that it had to come to that, but now that I have your attention, we have some exciting new research from young Lisa Simpson. Let's bring her out and pay attention. Let's not listen. 
My study is entitled Airborne Pheromones and Aggression in Bullies. Bullies! I'm afraid. For as long as there have been smart people, there have been bullies to prey on them. From Galileo to Sir Isaac Newton and even in the animal kingdom. But why do the brawny prey on the brainy? Is it jealousy? Yes, yes. No. The reason is chemical. That's, that's impossible. Chemicals are our friends. She's a witch. Please, Dr. Coop, <laughs> let me demonstrate. As do as Surgeon General C. Ever Coop calling her a witch there. Still alive at the time. Now, uh, one frame of this presentation has become one of the most irritating memes on the internet. It is the millennial slash Zoomer version of Sarcastic Wonka. And now, look, it's okay. No, no, it, it's it, not. It's been used in okay bits sometimes. I've only seen it used in irritating ways. Okay. The most irritating one is the whole let people enjoy things phenomenon, which... Uh, boils up the blood and angers up my brain. I don't want to talk about it, but I believe it says like not liking something isn't a personality. Uh, it says why hating popular things doesn't make you an interesting person. There we go. That's so. It. Yes, thank uh, you. I disagree. Yes, Let's talk yeah. about it. But uh, yeah, it, this this her turning away and going, but why? So it makes Lisa look like she's mad, but she's like you know like Riley asking a question. But in that one freeze frame, look like she's angry and holding a card and saying, yeah. "I got a truth to tell." Starting it up, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is where that new me." is from and i was waiting for it at the start of her presentation because like oh yeah this is posed perfectly for it but it's but to find out that it is like a mid-movement single frame yeah. from 19 minutes and eight seconds <laughs> in the episode like that and it's just like a one step forward as the thing is moving up like that also you know now knowing that the beam bothers me because it's like she's not presenting something there the screen is moving upwards yeah. the screen shouldn't say text on it maybe that's why i'm so angry <laughs> the thing that annoys me about that particular meme is that i see it a lot in gaming subreddits and yes. sports subreddits and that kind of thing and almost always and usually it's somebody putting their dumb idea into print so that people can yell and agree with them and almost always that idea is extremely bad and developers should not implement that at all but that is what i associate with this particular meme uh, according to the knowyourmeme.com that meme was first used or found on reddit in may of 2018 and it really took off from there mm. so that's uh, i've also seen one with kirby the nintendo character kirby uh, doing you that. know i'd rather see that than one than lisa let you know kirby Kirby, you, uh, it slides right off of him, but I don't like Lisa. It also like keys into Lisa like being a, a complainer and like a snotty complainer, which I don't like about her. Uh, that being a detail for her, you know what? You guys have sold me on it. It's only used by bad people. <laughs> I I don't like that meme. If you've used it, uh, give us more money. <laughs> As an apology, as an apology, and stop propagating it. I also love that the old man voice. It goes like, "Let's not listen." Like he goes, he says that twice in it. <laughs> it is, it is the the finger thing means the taxes of this scene. It is. They just like Dan saying it so much. I I really love the drawing of Galileo and then a wood carving of Isaac Newton being bullied. Those those are both very funny drawings. Uh, you know, you mentioned South Park earlier. This ending feels like a South Park ending. Like I, mm. how many South mm. Park endings have like Cartman or Stan or kyle presenting an idea like with a speech like actually i found out it's this the, uh, this you know this giant societal problem actually can be solved by a thing that doesn't exist and now let me explain the thing that doesn't exist like i don't want to say they ripped off a, a south park beat but we i we go back to it a million times but selman said on a commentary they were jealous of south park when they were writing these seasons so 
I mean, it's a very South Park ending, too, in that it invents a thing that isn't real. So it's not even a real solution to you yeah. present a major problem in life. And then you go like, oh, but obviously here's a silly thing that's not a real solution. And it, it won't be used within this universe either. Yes. Again. It doesn't exist after this episode's over. And also Lisa is not a famous person for discovering this uh, like major discovery. Uh, but yes, for Lisa to prove her thing to see Ever Coop and everybody else, uh, Francine is wheeled out like a caged animal. <laughs> and I love the shot of like Lisa saying, you know, and thank to, thanks to Francine's parents. And they just like wave like, yeah, it's very normal. We caged our daughter. Hey. Also, her parents both look like nerds, too. I got to think she beats them. Hmm. That's, I, if it's genetic, maybe like uh, the appearance doesn't matter. Maybe. I, I do think that there's a little bit of a joke in there saying, no, no, Lisa discovered that it was actually poindextrose and all of that. But the show is kind of sneakily saying, no, it's actually the parents. The parents <laughs> are completely enabling her. Saying, oh, she'll punch herself out at a certain point. Yeah, I, I love how uh, cooperative the parents were with Lisa. You know, just like, hey, can you cage your daughter for the science experiment? Oh, sure, <laughs> yeah, Lisa. Sure. Yeah. Uh, she, she's going to get tired out eventually. Yeah, I. So the Lisa shows off how it works. She puts the point dextrose. When she does this thing with a giant swab, it reminded me of taking a big old COVID test recently. Mm, I got one of those coming up. Mm. Yeah. Also, there's a funny bit, too, where Lisa says every geek, dork, or four eyes uh, amidst this. When she says it, she looks down at four, three guys in the front row who all nod right. in recognition like, I'm the geek, I'm the dork, I'm the four eyes. <laughs> First, she uses the point dextrose, and then... They let her go. I love the guy telling Frank, like, are you mad, Frank? Uh, you put, put down, down that, that science, science pole. pole. Yeah, sorry. Great line. <laughs> I love the science, science pole. pole is hilarious. Do you buy those idea. at the same store as a surgical two by four? <laughs> it's got to be the same. No, the those same stores idea. are the, the sales are booming there. Unlike the baby crutch store. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, yes, Lisa then discovers that she uh, can make the bully not attack. And uh, this this is a our longest clip of the episode, but uh, it's it's the bully solving ending. My God, she stopped in her tracks. The little girls invented some sort of bully repellent. Let's not listen. Actually, it's just ordinary salad dressing. So that's where that went. The pungent vinegar and tangy roquefort blocked the smell receptors, rendering the bully harmless. Congratulations, Lisa. You are truly the standout of this year's big science thing. A gift certificate from J.C. Penny? Yes, you'll love their slacks. <laughs> oh, honey, we're so proud of you. So all her bullying was just to get some attention. No, Dad, didn't you listen to anything I said? Just to get some attention. Lisa, help! The repellent's all gone! Don't worry, she'll punch herself out. Suck <laughs> fist, Dr. Dork! Someone's gonna sleep well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> She smells the nerds watching. Uh, That's a good joke. Apparently that was an idea by the storyboard artist for this act, uh, Christian Roman, who worked with uh, Lauren on Mission Hill. He directed a few episodes. Yeah, it's. uh, I'm really glad she credited him because... I think that's another bit of like, uh, I think a problem at this time is 
the per, the writers view the artists as people who just follow their orders and here a funny bit at the end that's all visual that could only really work if it's done well was pitched by the border and you know to scully and his team's credit of the writers credit they were like yeah that's good let's have that be the end of the episode and and i mean that christian roman guy uh he was like their top border at the time on at simpsons he gave he did the uh, latter-day boarding guide in the aughts mm, right right and then he left uh for the disney shows fillmore and american dragon jake paul uh not no relation to those jake paul. long oh jay oh then i'm i'm thinking <laughs> i got the paul brothers on my head i'm sorry there i uh, and also he's like he's worked at pixar for over a decade now right like, yeah and you know mcmullen she she really lifted up her her artist in that case i That's think so good. yeah i wanted to go back to that meme really quick because we're oh, not yes. snobs uh, we don't approve of that meme. I do approve of three Lisa memes. I think, Henry, you might be on the same page as me. I approve of Lisa getting her coffee cup filled up. Oh, yeah. Lisa leaning forward and disassociating. And Lisa uh, looking up at Marge. Marge has her hand on Lisa's shoulder. She's looking up. It's from the uh, Corey hotline scene, except someone has photoshopped a computer in front of Lisa. That's good. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Even yeah, though it violates yeah. the integrity of the scene by adding a prop, <laughs> still funny. I still laugh yeah. every time. So we approve of at least three Lisa memes. Oh, yeah. No, the, the coffee one of, uh, of course... Coffee one's great yeah, yeah. that's my, our listeners with our delicious content yeah my favorite is when it says dumb bitch juice and, <laughs> and me it, but uh yeah i no, yeah there's there's lots of great lisa memes see it's so many to choose from uh, or you just go with the liver and onion memes those are still good it's oh, still yeah. good it's still good <laughs> So this whole bit here, I also wanted to play the whole thing because I think that's actually the only clip where I have um, Kathy Griffin talking in this episode. This bit here, too, of uh, them getting bad prizes. This was a runner then. Like uh, before this, there was the Loganberry scented candle that Bart gets. Right. And of course, the walking tour of Springfield won in the marathon. So it was a, it was a bad prize runner at the time. I guess nerds buy their clothes at JCPenney. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, my mom would certainly have got, taken me to jc pennies for my yearly nerd clothes for I, the start of the I, school year that's where you buy sensible clothes right <laughs> yeah uh, the prices are well i guess do jc pennies still exist uh, I, I don't think so i think uh, uh, no, they and sears not. had a suicide pact <laughs> they're anchoring dead malls at this point yep uh, now malls are just for pop-ups of something that can exist for like two months and then you leave the mall and never come back or getting vaccinated in the parking lot oh sure sure yeah Walls are uh, depressing now, I might add. If you just drive past one, they look like freaking ghost towns. Even around here where malls were somewhat healthy, now it's grim. Ooh, yeah. Grimmer than before. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast before, but in the summer I went back home and I went to the local mall just to be like, what's going on in there? Like last time I was there, only a, only a third of the storefronts were actually open. Now uh, there is so little hope they've just sealed off hallways where there used to be stores where there's like, well, there's no, there's nothing down this hallway, so don't go down it. <laughs> yeah, You're never oh going to find any thing so the hallway just doesn't exist anymore we, they didn't the shut picture it. of the GameStop was a particularly depressing Bob. they just put a wall in front of it so <laughs> like, there was never anything here uh there ain't no ain't no game stop and there never was <laughs> uh yeah i i also uh a real jerk ass runner of homer this time i'm not listening to people and just saying like no dad didn't you listen to anything i said all just to get attention yeah. homer ran from his uh street rants to this uh 12th annual science thing <laughs> yeah he's only there to ignore lisa and misunderstand her but i did really like the joke of beating up even in 2001 i as a grumpy gus who would like complain about any episode i did like the joke that we know you're a nerd watching this and the bully will beat you up because they know you're a nerd 
smashing together Frank and Coop's head in front of the screen over and over. It did look painful. Yes, yeah, it did. Uh, also, like, suck fist Dr. Dork. Like, that's a good line, too. And and then, of course, over the credits, one more dose of uh, Always Safety First. He, you we know, only have for it, so. one precious NRBQ song left <laughs> before uh, we're out of them. I now hear after hearing again what the third act would have been I think they should have done that instead Lisa and Juvie is a funny idea this whole thing of the science of nerds and bullies like I don't know I it feels it feels too too high concept I I would have rather stuck with the Lisa character I know that Scully said the big reason they didn't do it was that it takes you out of Springfield and you have to create a bunch of new characters and you'd rather stick with the characters you know at the school so I get it but uh they they lost out on a good joke there actually uh, a friend of mine from this era this was one of the last straws for him when it oh. comes to the simpsons where it was this one he really hated the idea of the nerd rep- or, sorry the bully repellent and then uh the scream of pillar episode is the one where he stopped watching entirely i think that's next season ah uh, yes yeah that's, uh, that's i mean the bully repellent idea if you kind of take a step back and go oh that's a weird gonzo idea but it's just very appropriate for this era of the simpsons but if you're in the moment and you're thinking about like well the simpsons has lost its way the bully repellent thing would i i i'll admit i rolled my eyes when they're like uh point dextrose and everything i'm like oh yeah this is very much of that era but i don't know they eventually carried off the concept i mean her running around beating up (laughs) a convention of scientists and then leaping at the camera was sufficiently funny that I am willing to forgive its foibles. And and also, I, I think the revelation that it's salad dressing, I like more now because instead of like Lisa invents something, they just go like, no, she just discovered salad dressing works with this. She didn't have to invent a, a solvent or whatever. So that's where that went. Yeah, I love Margie. So I, like, she's not proud of Lisa. She's mad that yeah. like, hey, I was looking for that. You should have asked for that. Yeah, yeah. like in a spe- so uh, we just recorded a very bad episode of season 12 recently. And I was like, did are all of them like this? Because we were doing a lot of twos mm. in a row and coming back to this one i was like oh this one is great uh the ending could use some help but i think the jokes are great and mcmullen's direction uh heightens everything yeah yeah all of the future ones that she'll be directing them up to the three years from this one in 2004 and i think even even on weaker scripts she always brought something animation wise like they they were lucky to have her unlucky to lose her and they really uh should have tried to keep her around instead of burning her out on the simpsons movie that's for not yeah yeah Yeah. thanks again to cat bailey for being on the show cat please tell us what you're up to and please plug the hell out of acts of the blood god podcast we hardly endorse that patreon or service yeah thanks so much for having me on the show again it's always a blast i'm out and around the internet my day job is over at ign i'm on nintendo voice chat a lot these days talking about nintendo things so that's fun but i also have acts of the blood god it's an rpg podcast we have a patreon patreon.com slash blood god pod lovely little community very active discord it is a lot of fun go so go check us out we're on all of your usual pod catchers and if you like talking simpsons and retronauts you know like acts of the blood god trust me i think so no it's always fun to have you i really enjoyed the one you did about uh talking about animation instead of video games on acts of blood god about Mm. the evangelion uh rewatch with uh with your special guest emily vanderwerf yeah i that was a a lot of fun i really enjoyed the super chill conversation that we had though having said that listening to your movie uh your what a cartoon movie around end of evangelion after doing that i really wish i had listened to that episode before i did my episode because wow you y'all really went in depth with the the actual research and everything i did research but you you all went like 
double. And I was <laughs> just like, wow, I learned a lot. That uh, used to and be. And I thought I knew a lot about Evang- Evangelion. That used to be our longest podcast at only five hours. Yes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now it's been beaten by, I think, like 12 minutes. We decided to work harder yes, for yeah. the next one. You're doing like audiobook length episodes at this point. It's pretty it's, amazing. It's what Evangelion deserves. Definitely. That's what I thought, yeah. But, but thank oh, you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kat. So thanks so much to Kat Bailey for being on the show. Please check out her podcast network over on Acts of the Blood God. That's on Patreon. But as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get all these episodes one week at a time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Sign up there for five bucks a month. You'll get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes all of our limited miniseries, over 100 bonus episodes you haven't heard about things like Mission Hill and The Critic and Futurama and King of the Hill, but coming very, very soon in just a little over a week, we are going to be doing Blabbing About Batman, the animated series that is our Batman the Animated Series miniseries. We're doing 10 podcasts about our 10 favorite episodes of that show only behind the $5 paywall only at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Sign up now and get it as soon as it goes live on October 29th. And we also have a $10 level when you sign up for that you get all the $5 stuff of course but also access to one mega long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher and what is that Henry? You are talking about the What a Cartoon Movie podcast. The one Cat was just complimenting us about. That is where we cover an animated feature film super in depth. Now you may know that me and Bob do the What a Cartoon podcast twice a month, our sister podcast to Talking Simpsons. And well, once a month, we cover an animated feature film in the same super in-depth style. We, this month, are doing, uh, to coincide with that Batman podcast, we're doing Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, one of the best Batman films ever made. And before that, we did a cavalcade of Disney Renaissance. We covered Lion King, Hercules, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and we did The Road to El Dorado, an overlooked but still very good DreamWorks 2D classic. A giant back catalog of over 170 hours of What a Cartoon Movie podcast at your fingertips at that premium level. In addition to all the $5 things Bob just mentioned, you can see a list of all of them very easily if you go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons to discover more details. That's patreon.com slash talking simpsons. So as for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo, and my other podcast is Retronauts. That is a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. Find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And Henry, what about you. You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Stay up to date with my life. And if you follow me and Bob on Twitter, follow the official Twitter account of this podcast at Talk Simpsons Pod. If you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter, I promise you, you'll know when new episodes go live on the free feed, when they go live on the Patreon, when we have a poll, when we announce a new schedule, all that fun stuff. You, I know you learn about it when you hear us talk about it on podcast, but you would learn so much earlier if you followed at Talk Simpsons Pod on on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next time for the latest episode of our community podcast, Talk to the Audience, and we'll see you then. This went too high and so this time I'll just pretend oh, Then I will live to climb again oh, oh, I'll just I want to see some sweat. 
I am not mastering another stair until you explain the purpose of this monstrous experiment. I believe the key to bully nerd antagonism lies in your drippings. Then I shall drip like a pot roast. Excellent. Now don't mind the squeegee. Oh, oh, the scraping seems wrong, but it feels so right. <laughs> 